You're listening to Girls Gone Canon, covering his dark materials. Hello, everyone, and welcome to <sighs> Girls Gone Canon Reads His Dark Materials, Episode 28, The Amber Spyglass, Chapters 37 through 38. And while it is a somber episode, there is something that is a little happy. Today we are featuring Haley Bowery of the Manimals. Woo! Woo woo! Hello! I am one of your hosts, Eliana. And I am another one of your hosts, Chloe. We're going to be covering chapters 37, The Dunes. Not that dune. 38, The Botanic Garden. <laughs> And then this will follow with a discussion, a spoilers section for the books of Dust and the novellas. As always, we will not spoil during the main parts the rest of the main trilogy. I'm just kidding, because this is the end of the main trilogy. But before we get to... My God, why is it so fucking somber in this bitch? Before we get to the real sad shit, I'm so excited to have my friend Haley here from the Manimals. Haley, thank you so much for joining us. You are like an accomplished lyricist, musician, wonderful human being, a poet. You have just a beautiful mind and soul. I love you so much. I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here, you guys. Um, I This is like my, probably my all-time favorite book series, so I'm hmm. thrilled to be part of it. I know both of you originally through Song of Ice and Fire stuff, which I'm involved in because of a record I wrote that is based on that story. But actually, my very first musical foray into basing something on a work of fiction was something I wrote called Lyra and Will based on this chapter, The Botanic Garden, when I was like 22. And it was one of my first like, um, actually, it was like when I was first getting back into writing songs like as a adult. That's <laughs> awesome. So it's very special to my heart. Obviously. Could you <laughs> sing us a little bit of it? You don't have to if you don't want to, but I figured <laughs> I would ask. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think if I could like quote a lyric to yeah. you from it because it is I, I do not want to sing acapella personally but let me see if I have Eliana like, a box for you do, do, yeah. Yeah. Oh god Boots and cats and boots and cats It's going good Oh my god I mean so the it is a very sad song about not getting to be with somebody anymore because now they live in a different world and perhaps dating other people but needing to be good to them um, <laughs> it'll hurt it'll hurt good. us yeah so i think i let's see the the ending part says like time goes by summers die i've got a lover his eyes are blue and i don't mind you know i've done my time most days i don't notice that he's not you oh, oh but i'd feed the tree for you and me and i'll meet you in a dream he'd never realize when i close my eyes i'm going someplace green there you go oh, God, <laughs> she's I'm like crying now holy shit this is and good we just garden. started the episode Haley, what the hell? You guys, as we're probably as I'm going to expound upon throughout this, as I get like really esoteric about this series, is that hurt is good, 
Kurt lives on like, the, the razor edge of joy and beauty. And that's what this whole story is about. We have to hurt. So it's you invited Haley on here to hurt us? Yeah. Chloe? I'm here. I'm here to hurt you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God. Yes. I'm excited. I love pain. <laughs> Me too. It's hot. <laughs> this is a sexy, sad podcast today. It's not just me attacking Eliana. Now it will be two people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you for joining us, Haley. And uh, where can everyone find the Manimals and you online? Yes, the Manimals is the band. You can find all of our music on Spotify and all the other places. Bandcamp. Our Instagram is at Manimals Band. We're barely on Twitter, but you can find us on all the things, you know, just look for Manimals or Manimals NYC or something, some variety of that. We are a New York band, so if you're running into other Manimals elsewhere. (laughs) And if you're out in New York, make sure you're checking their show roster because you guys put shows up here and there, and I I hear they're rowdy. rowdy They are rowdy. Yeah, Art- we got artsy coming though. up in a couple weeks. Yeah, they're uh-huh. like weird rituals that are like um, <laughs> full of catharsis and um, chaos. Not a cult. <laughs> Not a cult. Yeah, come out and see us sometime. Indeed, indeed. Maybe, you know, get your heart broken. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too can be hurt by Haley. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For a low cost. I want to build you back up again after the hurt, though. You know, that's part of it. <laughs> I love that. Like, I I love we that. have to build. We have to build a republic of heaven. Oh right my here. god! I mean, yeah, right, we're right where three. we are here yeah. on the internet. Um, <laughs> well, wow, that's that's next for us, right? We're up next for Girls Gone Canon since this is the final HDM main trilogy sewed for now. What are we building for our kingdom of heaven? Are we doing something again for his dark materials someday? Maybe. Maybe. Well, yes, and that eventually, eventually HBO is going to tell us when the third season comes out. I know. And we can be hurt all over again. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine how they will adapt this book. I've always wondered that, like back in like 2007 with the first movie, as like, how will they ever do Amber Spyglass? And then I was like, oh, they won't. <laughs> so <laughs> this should be very interesting. The budget Hopefully has to be budget, huge. Yeah, yeah we're just like the budget. <laughs> the budget, the mulefa of it all. Like, what will it be? <laughs> they're tight-lipped, too. I mean, they uh, not much has come out because they're, you know, doing a lot of CGI, I imagine, and effects right <laughs> now. A lot of post stuff to add. We will be covering it when it does come out. Yay. We yes. just don't have a date yet for you. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be here. We'll, we'll be, be here. here. We'll be here whenever that happens. I mean, we're hoping we get a an announcement soon. I assume they're going to try to, as we've discussed, like, convert the House of the Dragon audience to watching His Dark Materials. And who knows? I don't know. Weird things are happening at HBO right now with, like, them and money. I don't know what's happening. Why would you put that evil into the world? <laughs> you shut your mouth, Eliana. We did, though. We did just see a couple shots from Series 3 in the Hot D opener, House of the Dragon opener. There's like a little little intro commercial, and there's a little shot of Lyra, a little shot of Yorick. Uh, 
If I had to speculate, it looked like it could be at a certain reforging of a certain knife in one of the shots. So take a look at it if you're on the old internet or on HBO. Check it out. Promo stuff. But we'll see. And and this isn't the end. Eventually, we do plan to cover the Secret Commonwealth. Uh, We haven't completely come to an agreement at this time on when. We have, you know, already said Haley can come back because she loves the Secret Commonwealth. I think she would have a blast chatting with us. But yeah, we haven't haven't chosen to yet. We might just want to revel in our finished LaBelle Sauvage and our finished His Dark Materials for now. Yeah, Chloe <laughs> said maybe 2023 and like that would make sense. We just don't know yet. And yeah, I don't know. It, it might be nice to be a little freed up, to be honest, but um... I mean, I do really love this series. I think part of me kind of wants to know as well what's in store in book three. I'm going to be honest. like There's a part of me that wants that first, but Mm -hmm. obviously sometimes we just have to go into things without an ending. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We've done it before and we'll do it again. By God, I think. No, This will end. This will end. And I have faith in Philip Pullman. He's cruising from what I'm hearing. Yeah. He's doing great. Yeah. He is. That man has a, a golden constitution when it comes to writing these books. I know he's, uh, I hope he's got some ducks and some ponds around. You know, that's all I can say. He likes ducks and ponds. <laughs> I think he does. I believe he that he does. You know, we have talked possibly about doing uh, some more His Dark Materials Patreon bonus episodes. We had a really good time talking about all of the new stuff to find in the Imagination Chamber from Philip Pullman, and I actually, I think I'm going to bring Imagination Chamber up later today, believe it or not. Ooh. But we've talked about doing, like, the poetry of his dark materials. We've already done the music of his dark materials. Oh, yeah. Sadly, we didn't get to include our favorite song from Haley, that Eliana is like, <laughs> sing it for me. Um, <laughs> Purple. She just wants to hear the song of his dark materials. But... I think we'll have to do a poetry one someday. There's lots of really interesting connections to pull in, more than we've ever had really time to get through all of. So I look forward to that in the meantime. And and, and we could do our deep dive, a deep dive on Paradise Lost Vision. I mean, the whole story started because of a poem, so. It's coming. Paradise Lost the Maybe. podcast. Paradise Little Boy Lost Found. <laughs> that doesn't I don't know. That that maybe on a milk carton. Maybe on a milk carton. For now, for the last week of the month, we have been covering House of the Dragon that just recently started. I know Haley is also covering it over at one of her many podcasts, too, I hear. Yes, I have another very stupid thing called Drinking Game of Thrones. We used to do a drunk podcast that's very embarrassing that you can still find on the internet for a limited time, (laughs) Um, I think. But then um, right now we're doing live streams on Instagram, so you can find us at Drinking GOT in the days following the show, whenever I can get my friends together to come over and yell. You always look like you have the most brilliant drinks, though. Like we do make good drinks. We try to do good snacks and drinks. They're intense. Yeah, that it's it's it starts out classy and then it devolves. (laughs) I mean, I never really notice it devolving. For me, I'm always like, "What the hell? Amazing! It's like art." (laughs) I only know because I've been involved before. <laughs> and you know how stupid we all can be. I just know because I've been one of you before. Man. Mm-hmm. 
I I think it's still a pretty classy joint. You all have to check it out out on the gram. <laughs> as mentioned, we'll link it. Uh, we'll be we'll be covering that for now weekly on top of our A Song of Ice and Fire POV episodes. We have a couple ideas come autumn here, so keep your ears tuned, your eyes tuned, peeled. Check out the social feeds, the the Patreon. I'm sure we'll release some info there as well of what to expect that last week of the month in the autumn. As we said, we are, you know, doubling up for now, though, covering both House of the Dragon and A Song of Ice and Fire. When this episode comes out, it will be August, and this month's Patreon episode will still be in A Song of Ice and Fire, kind of, episode. We will be doing Mothers of the Dragon. Uh, it's focusing on the mothers in Fire and Blood, but we'll figure things out in the future. Uh, we also... Also, other things that are fun on our Patreon are if you want to talk about his dark materials or the Book of Dust stuff with other people, we do have a Discord server available in the Thunder tier and above, the $10 tier and above. Check it out. People are having fun. We did, like, previously hosted by one of our patrons, Pete, and then hosted by several of our patrons, um, have a rewatch of the His Dark Materials television show, and likely people are going to be talking about it and hosting something. Maybe I don't want to put I don't want to volunteer them right now, but like you know, they might people <laughs> might do something during His Dark Materials season. I don't know. Everyone's wait, wait, free wait, to make wait, their wait. Own did you say? Did you say Pete pull? Because I, I heard I Pete think I accidentally pull. said I, I think I accidentally almost said like people or like patrons, and then I was like, wait, I can't just put that on him. Hmm. Uh, if you're listening, Pete, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, and you know the House of the Dragon discussions are being hosted by one of our good friends, Maddie. It's really been fun to have a couple of our patrons take the reins and do their own episodes of Girls Gone Canon live. They're doing it live, so they are actually literally doing it live, and they are taking the reins. We do have horse themed tears. Oh my god. And- <laughs> I will say one last thing before we jump in. Uh, in honor of the last His Dark Materials episode that we are doing for the books, I want to plug our friends Her Dark Materials. Their read-through is still going. They are on the Amber Spyglass right now, though. But they make, like, such cool stuff. They make awesome art and, like, gear. And I'm wearing my Alethiometer shirt from them. And it is so cool. That's all. I love your shirt. I do. I need to get a new get one. one. <laughs> it's very I'm gonna, cute. I'm gonna. They've got great art. They do. Great stuff. All right, guys. Our demons actually settle after this chapter. I know you all were waiting and you thought we were going to tell you now, but they haven't settled yet. They do after like- this chapter, though. Yeah. Eliana, did your demon not settle yet? I don't know. I'm a child. <laughs> Eliana, we have been planning this for like three books for twenty eight episodes. I just like don't believe I can know everything that well about animals, okay? And I also mm. don't believe I know myself that well, but um that's why I needed a magical external thing for myself to settle on its own and tell me who I am. That's why I take personality quizzes, okay? Who am I? I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> this is the biggest disappointment. You have a whole chapter to get your life together, and I hope that I have you see an answer, God or something. I have an answer in there, but, like, I don't know. A disappointment. <laughs> That's- what animal's a disappointment? That's me. Um, actually, that actually might fit the animal that I have in there. But let's talk about <laughs> chapter 37, the dunes. 
the tunes. <laughs> we open up with this line of, My soul do not seek eternal life, but exhaust the realm of the possible by Pindar. Yeah. I, of course, the final poem. The final one, because there's no quote in the next. Wow. Yeah, right? This what is the hell? it. I, well, the last one is a poem itself, I yeah. would say. Yes. Yeah, let's be real. But this is courtesy of Pindar, an ancient Greek lyric poet of Thebes, what Haley would have been had she existed oh. then. A wow. lyrical poet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's you. That's you. Uh, he wrote the Pythian Odes, which are basically stories, metaphorical, that he writes of you know, different different battles that would take place at different coliseums and games, the sporting events in Olympia and Corinth in honor of the boys and men who got their victories. But some, like Pythian Three, honor kind of more specific things, like Hieron of Syracuse, and it was a great victory in the Pythian Games, but also it kind of became a metaphor for consoling uh, chronic illness, even. Hmm. And so a closer kind of translation is do not yearn, O oh my soul, for immortal life. Use to the utmost skill that is yours. And the actual story, he writes, Apollo reaches for a child and snatches it from a corpse with a burning fire, like dividing between them, and bears the child away and gives him to a magnesian centaur. Everyone come along for the ride. This gets a little crazy. And gives the child to this centaur. The centaur teaches the child how to heal Many painful diseases for man, and people come to him with limbs wounded by gray bronze or by far-hurled stone or bodies wasting away from summer's fire or winter cold, and he releases and delivers all of them and saves them with potions and incantations and remedies and some even surgery, and there's this line within it that even skill is enthralled by the love of gain. And it's just such like a, an interesting line from this poem and story of like everything wrapped together of comparing like no cost really to to being able to provide those things and the magic of healing and the magic of experience and, and innocence lost and in experience really when we go back to some of those big thematics and it makes me think of will's fingers with the knife his fingers being <laughs> repaired with blood moss and with his father's loss as well right his father like sacrificing himself so his son has fingers again that he'll anyways <laughs> he never regrew them they just he just stopped the bleeding which is the yeah wound, that's the thing the wound <laughs> is still there we talked about this already everyone just go listen to that episode we're done <laughs> i like the idea of his dad giving him new fingers though <laughs> basically he's like go forth son they're not gonna fall off anymore they, they're just gonna stay where they are that's as good as it gets I, you uh, can do that i've heard but um should have had medical ahead. accessibility but uh, losing the skill of like reading the alethiometer, for example, is not precisely the same exact thing. But like metaphorically, that Will's like, well, because of learning this tool, learning this trade, and learning my knife, I don't have these fingers. I have the mark, and Lyra has now lost kind of her own like extension of her mind. One of, I mean, the things we do with our hands are insane. Uh, musicians etc you know like as an adult i used to do a lot more music when i was younger i played so many instruments and now as an adult it's like i have to reawaken it if i'm not doing it all the time i lose half of that skill so easily and like not having that advantage lyra losing that will I mean, becoming an expert surgeon 
those little guys, my poor guy. Also, like within the themes of this chapter and the losing skills and things, um, just that when you're uh, young too, like with the addition of like, yeah, you age and yeah, you're maybe your brain gets a little foggier or something. But I think it's also more just like the freedom that you have in your youth of like, there's zero self-consciousness. Like I used to sing, like I used to like belt it out like Broadway style. And it's like, now I'm like, oh, well, I can't, I know I'm not as good as I could be, so I won't, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, but when you're a kid, I was like, I truly am going to be on Broadway. (laughs) Um, So it's like, I was like, I'm a star and someone's just going to like find me one day, you know? It's like, and you have that kind of confidence of just like someone who's like loose with their skill when they talk about like Lyra's grace with things. And Mm -hmm. it's almost not even a skill when you're young. It's just like this like loose expression of your soul. Yeah, you're allowed to, like, explore that and strengthen that and, like, because you don't have those kind of just feelings of no confidence anymore. And, like, like yeah, what is that, right? Like, I live with, like, I guess I have an asshole that lives below me, but, I mean, I, I used to love singing and music. Like, as a kid, I think I remember lyraing it and lying to my classmates and telling them I tried out for American Idol or something. Yes. <laughs> yes, like I was a complete liar. Like I was Lyra style out in the schoolyard just telling fibs, dude. I remember this. I had Me to too. Been, like fucking fourth or fifth grade <laughs> yeah. or some shit. Who knows? I just lied about stupid things for no reason. Um I did but not I love singing. But yeah. I don't know. As I like lied about so many things. I like made people believe that our school was haunted and took them on an adventure around it. <laughs> oh my like, god. <laughs> did you see that? Really? I'll send this video later. These two little girls going, Hi liars. It's no. the cutest thing. Um That's us right now. We're the liars. That is wow. you. And then they're like, I lied. It's so funny. <laughs> god. I but don't know. Absolutely with um, you know, what you're saying about it's easy to do things, right? You're not self-conscious about it, and then you get older and you realize, what am I doing? And that consciousness about it, that intentionality, pushes you to either work at it and get better at it, or hate yourself more for it and then not do it. So, mm-hmm. that's a different part of this story, but we can talk about yeah. that later. <laughs> the next day... Will and Lyra are eager to be alone again, to kiss in their gold and silver grove, to bathe, eat, and lay happily. They are having a time, it is vacation, and in the evening they eat with Marion at all, saying very little, and they end up walking along the sea under the moon. They lay in the sand dunes, listening to the birds call, but suddenly they hear a call that is different, it's not like the birds in this world, and Lyra and Will sit up, realizing that there are actually two birds singing. It's Pan and Kerjava who choose to appear to them on the sand. Pan is a darker dove, while Kerjava is pearl white. And I'm like, is Pan just a pigeon? Because pigeons are just darker colored doves. And I'm like, that's not very cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's not impressive. (laughs) Pan's just being chill. (laughs) And Will knew what it was to see his demon. As she flew down to the sand, he felt his heart tighten and release in a way he never forgot. Sixty years and more would go by, and as an old man, he would still feel some sensations as bright and fresh as ever. Lyra's fingers putting the fruit between his lips under the golden silver trees, her warm mouth pressing against his, his demon being torn from his unsuspecting breast as they entered the world of the dead, and the sweet rightfulness of her coming back to him at the edge of the moonlit dunes. I'd like to make fucking die. 
just <laughs> right? like to call it a so now. beautiful. This has been a great series. Thank you so much. I'm Chloe. Have a nice day. No. <laughs> That's this is it. This is right. This is it. I wish. Right? Everyone's happy. He gets a demon. The end. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody gets a pet and they live happily ever after. This is the best. This is the best. I love yeah. this trope in general. I know, I think Tolkien uses this a lot. So from what I've heard, it's very, uh, you know, it's really melancholy. It's, it evokes a sense of melancholy, kind of time traveling within a character's plot, although you're used to the present. Sorry, Pullman. I know how you feel now about the present. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I could see he was starting to play with different tenses around this time. Right. But even this, being picked, like picturing him as an old man, that's just like so evocative and like touching that it's like these yeah. are like these key, the key, these are like the core memories and they're all so sensory. And like everything in these chapters is really like sensory yeah. and um, like so beautiful. Throughout, there's plenty of that, but I would say these chapters in particular are like very poetic and. Uh-huh. point out all these like uh tastes and sensations which is really cool yeah it's definitely giving like he very much put his whole self into this to make sure that it really yeah. that he nailed it and he does um it hits every yeah. single heartbreak branch and it's really beautiful because later we get some lines between them some heart-wrenching lines maybe we'll skip them when we get to them because they oh hurt where, you know, <laughs> Lyra's telling him, like, I don't want it just to be a memory. I don't want it to just have happened and been an experience. And Will says, too, he's like, memory's a terrible thing to have. And they're both like, what if we don't remember? What if we forget? Reminds me, of course, later on in the timeline of life, you got eternal sunshine, right, with similar themes of forgetting and losing memories in that kind of similar idea. But here it proves he didn't. He never lost the memory. He still remembers it like it was yesterday, even as an older man. So it's great because it gives you reassurance, even in the fucking horrible, horrid parts of the Botanic Garden when you get the heart-wrenching separation. A horrible sever, in my opinion. Another horrible one. There's even this line right here. You know, you can only hold paradise in your memory and there's the lines about the sweet rightfulness of her coming back to him at the edge of the moonlit dunes that's about his demon coming back. But it's almost a play on words that makes you think maybe someday that could be her coming back too. Or maybe it's just the memory. I want this. Yeah, me too. And I'm going to tell you how it can happen in the discussion today, everyone, ladies, gays, and days. So you oh, stay tuned. Stay God. tuned. Here's how Will and Lyra can still happen. <laughs> it's literally me every day. I'm like, here's how. Here's literally- a few weird tricks how Will and Lyra get back together. <laughs> but actually, I legitimately do feel that way. I'm like, here's how. Well, I don't know uh, how, but Chloe does. Um, yeah. And she trusts me with her life. I, I do. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, I liked what you were saying also, Haley, about how, you know, this is such, these two chapters, they're so sensory, there's so much description of that physical stuff, and, like, even these lines that you reread, Chloe, right, like, there's so much visual language, even for later on, and about memory, and it makes sense, right, because that's the point of all this dust and of living to experience and to feel and to do it all with your senses, so... 
And we're also like illustrating like a paradise on earth, like a potential republic of heaven kind of. So it's like if this is like the Garden of Eden or something in religious texts, the idea was that the goal is to always get back to the garden, to, uh, make sure you're pure to like be righteous because the garden fell because Eve, you know, sought wisdom. But it's like his whole messaging is that you're supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge. You're supposed to go for these experiences and we're supposed to experience the sensory beauty and it is like all around and yeah it's just very like poignant and beautiful yeah the way that it's described because it makes me think that it's this is like the potential of the the greater thing that they're Mm -hmm. hoping to build except it's momentary (laughs) (laughs) glimpses for the time for the time being yeah yeah for the time being that's perfect perfectly put lyra Um, moves to them but pan stops her speaking telling her that Seraphina Pecola is bringing the Egyptians, led by Farder Coram and John Fa, and then he breaks the horrid news. He's changed into a white airman, and Krajava, who's now a cat, begin their tale. Krajava says that oh, Seraphina named her, by the way, and also my name is Krajava, which is <laughs> why we all keep calling her this. She told us her name. It's fine. It's fine. And then they explain, due to the nature and the forces that be, they must now betray them these two by telling them these terrible news of you know the duo our two kids our two young lovers have brought back the dust but at a great cost because to keep the dust they must close all of the openings made by the subtle knife forever kirjava says they must leave and stay in lyra's world or lyra and pan must leave to stay in theirs there's no choice and we get the passage that is oh my god all these suck there's nothing like it's hard because all of them are so beautiful and poignant but it's like they're all so heart-wrenching then the full bleak daylight struck in and lyra cried aloud panelaman's owl cry the night before had frightened every small creature that heard it but it was nothing to the passionate wail lyra uttered now the demons were shocked and will seeing their reaction understood why they didn't know the rest of the truth they didn't know what Will and Lyra themselves had learned. Ugh. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, real tough. <laughs> that time. This bad whole times. yeah. This whole section is so like <laughs> like agonizing because people keep being like wait, but what if we did this? And then it's like, nope, actually this. But what if? Nope. <laughs> and then it's just like, in the end, there's no solution. <laughs> I have one solution. It's so rough. I have... Mm. I have grievances against Sophania and all the angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... They have power. They're not using it. They're like a terrible, you know customer support team or something oh my god (laughs) well uh will thought lyra would die of her grief then and there as she flings herself into his arms also crying sobbing not yet throwing up uh, remembering what (laughs) will's father had told them they try to think of a loophole as Haley said like they go through i don't know a bunch of them their demons comfort them and then lyra proposes a secret window and seeing one another just like you know some of the time right just like sir charles latrim like he sucked and he was able to do it and he was healthy but he was old he he was fine (laughs) exactly he was fine he was living a he was having a great time to be honest but 
Will reminds her of his father also nearly dying, though, when they had found him. And it doesn't matter because Pan burst their bubble anyways because the angels had already told him in Kurjava that all the windows must be closed. Bummer. Big bummer. And there's a really funny part, though, even though this is a horrible bummer. Funniest part is that Kurjava's like, it was a female angel that told us. And Lyra's like, that's not true. There's no such thing as that. You're a liar. <laughs> She's like, and that's how I'm finding a loophole. Because this is literally just them chasing to find loopholes the entire chapter until finally all the loopholes have been said. No, you can't. You must accept your fate. But not only is that hysterical, but it also kind of, I, I feel like that ties to Lyra's plot, right? Like, no female angels, no female scholars, for example. It's like not possible. But even in actual scripture not only what we see marisa and lyra lyra marisa and lyra somewhat struggle with in the series uh in scripture canons don't often get canonically assigned a gender they're some of them are referred to as male pronouns though they can't produce progeny mostly there's there's you know there's some propaganda against that i feel like but they're called sons of god which feels more of a reference their military kind of formation where one would say sons of Israel. That doesn't mean there's no such thing as women in Israel. Uh, there's actually, though, I will say in Genesis chapter 6, 1 to 4, we have an occasion where fallen angels do make half human, half angelic progeny, which is like a huge violation of God's order, which they get cast into the abyss for. So it kind of reminds me of some people that we know from this story, maybe. Some Marisa and Asriel. Fell in an abyss. <laughs> yeah. For making like a half witch child, basically, Jesus. <laughs> for making Lyra. I don't know. There, there's something about Zephania, though, in this chapter. I was kind of thinking about it, and there's only really one female angel, and it's known by many names Jophiel, Zophiel, Dina. And it seems like it might be an influence because it's one of the seven in like kind of pseudo Dionysian teachings and hold holds like a flaming sword in iconography portrayed mostly as female most of the time due to the beauty of the angel and representing wisdom, understanding, and judgment. And according to a bunch of authors and artists, Jophiel was said to be the angel who cast Adam and Eve out of paradise, which is essentially oh. what's happening right this moment in this. And John Milton in Paradise Lost mentions Zophiel being of cherubim of the swiftest win wing, sorry, of the swiftest wing. So it kind of mentions the lithe quality as well, which I find interesting. I don't know. Very interesting, and I think there's something to... Because I was like, Zephania is kind of like the only yeah. female angel in the story. Yeah, I'm sure there are other ones, because what, doesn't... Ruta Scotty see a couple of them, but you're right that it probably is her and inspired by her. Um, but also, as you were saying, right, regarding genderless angels, I'm like, you can't convince me that, like, those, like, bazillion-eyed winged things that are just eyeballs, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, and tell me that, that that adheres to what? Human gender norms? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, what? Doesn't Ezekiel see, I don't know, a wheel carried by, like, like mm -hmm. a bunch of the angels have, like, three heads, and some of them are, like, one's a cow, and one's, like, I don't know, something else. You can't tell me that. Anyway. Yeah. I like that they just, like, the angels are like, we don't even have, like, a real less than corporeal body. You know, our existence yeah. doesn't need to be quantified by a gender anymore. And Lyra's like, sounds fake. <laughs> sounds fake. Sounds <laughs> fake. <laughs> uh, um, yes. Uh, so, 
Next we have more bad news. Kurjava tells them that they also found out the root of the specters. They're the children of the abyss. Every time you open a window, a new specter is born. And that's why Tritagatse was overrun with them. They feed on demons and dust. They feed on Twitter accounts. Now I'm joking. But because dust and demons <laughs> are similar, especially the older ones, as we've seen throughout the series. And the specters grow stronger as they feed upon them. And then in horror, Will realizes what that means they've been doing every time that they make a window. He remembered Yorick Burnison in the cave where he'd forged the knife again, saying, what you don't know is what the knife does on its own. Your intentions may be good. The knife has intentions, too. Yikes. It's a bummer. I'm, I'm sad that the knife, like, is over right after this, like, that he breaks it, because I'm right. like, man, I would have loved for him to have kept his own dark material, right? His own right. instrument to use uh, and get to learn more secrets about it or something, but like that's I guess that's such a trope that's such like a fantasy trope yeah and I, I mean I guess the point is you know they lose these things of their childhood in that wish fulfillment but mm -hmm. it is powerful right I remember when we were talking about this thing about the knife back when Yorick said it and it's a good lesson though in general when it comes to adulthood right your intentions might be good but that doesn't mean the outcome and the impact of what you do is. And that, like, obviously, if you're going to be doing something as cool as <laughs> opening up worlds and, like, going out and, like, maybe stealing things from cool places or meeting your girlfriend, it's like, yeah, you're you something – there's going to be some consequences in real life to yeah. awesomeness like that. <laughs> it means, yeah, if you when you find out it's bad, you should try to find ways to correct it and change it. <sighs> That really is like, yeah, it's when you figure up. it out, it's bad. You could either keep using it and destroy the entire world, but you already saw what that does <laughs> firsthand. You've already saved that, mm -hmm. done that, been there. I don't think the worlds could handle it again. William, you have to do the right thing. It's irresponsible mm -hmm. to do it on your own for yourself, <laughs> you know? Don't do it for yourself this time. Don't yeah, do, do it for yourself. everyone. Yeah. 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 Lyra says they'll have to come live in his world, knowing he can't abandon his mom or his beautiful new healthy demon. That her and Pan are strong. They can last longer. They have good doctors like Mary Malone. Not that kind of doctor, Lyra. That could help them figure it out. <laughs> well, she like? She's like, she can do radiation testing. Um, yeah. You're she has no dollars. equipment. It's all a myth anyway. Yeah. yeah, they're all the same. I do that to my therapist all the time when I talk about, I don't know, some sort of physical thing. I'm like... It's okay, you're a doctor. You know how this works. <laughs> I know. She's She's probably like, just no. like, I'm not that kind of a doctor. Like, you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> just like the Sopranos. <laughs> well, Will doesn't think that this is perfect. He wouldn't be able to bear watching Lyra, you know, get sick, die when they're in their 20s. Yeah, that doesn't seem very feasible. He'd have to go down to the world of the dead just like she did for Roger. No, we should spend our whole lifetimes together, good, long, busy lives. And if we can't spend them together, we'll, we'll have to spend them apart. Ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> crowd booze. Crowd booze. It kind of, I don't know if, like, this is meant to be inspired by this. Probably not. Because, you know, religion. But it reminds me a little of, like, that corny-ass prayer, but... It's pretty famous of God grant me the serenity to accept the things I mm -hmm. cannot change, courage to change mm -hmm. the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And 
Yeah. An acceptance yep. of like just like things for just like the whole good, like not just serving yourself. And also that like um actually this is a Sondheim quote, just that like, you know, <laughs> if life were only moments, even now and then a bad one, but if life were only moments, we'd never know we had one. So you have to like all these little things are just like they're these little capsules and you you can hold them and you know yeah <laughs> it can't all be um these like the sort of heights unfortunately yeah you yeah. have to learn to embrace the memories and enjoy what you had <laughs> yeah yeah i just don't I, want to right now I, I don't want to embrace these memories this is horrible i appreciate you know lyra's willingness to be like well you can't like leave your whole ass life you've got a mom that you love and that you have yeah. to take care of. And I think that's really brilliant mm-hmm. that she recognizes their connection and that Will needs connection, right? He needs that. And also Lyra's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't really have anyone, I guess. We we find out in a bit that she does, which is great. But she's like, well, fuck my mom and dad. Yeah. If she doesn't have major, major connections in her world. Like, that's why she is an, an adventurer, you know? <laughs> Will remembers something his father said, that they'd have to build the Republic of Heaven here where they were. There isn't any elsewhere. He had thought he meant Asriel's new world, but now Will realizes he meant them, Will and Lyra. Lyra suddenly realizes that she could ask the Alethiometer to find a loophole, and she pulls it out. When Will thought of her in later years, it was often with that little bag over her shoulder. She tucked the hair behind her ears in the swift movement he loved and took out the black velvet bundle. This is fucked up. It's bright out, and he asks if she can see against the glare, but she knows where each of the symbols are. She knows them by heart, and she hushes him getting to work. She tries a few times, but it it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense to her anymore. She turns the instrument around and Will kind of calmly speaks to her, tries to help her to get into the mindset, holding her trembly body for a moment, but it doesn't work. She pulled back and tried again. Once more, she gazed at the symbols. Once more, she turned the wheels, but those invisible ladders of meaning down which with she'd stepped with such ease and confidence weren't there. She just didn't know what any of the symbols meant. Fuck. Bro. All of it is so hurtful. We talked about this in a previous episode, though. Um, just bringing it back, because I think this was probably book one, where we talked about the alethiometer and the symbols as its own kind of language and Lyra learning it. And I will say, again, this is not like learning a language when you were younger, because that actually does stay with you for life. It makes it easier to learn other languages. <laughs> you don't just forget it all. I mean, it, it can be harder to revisit it if you did used to know it and, like, stopped using it at a very early age or something. But it doesn't work like this. That's all. That's all. This mm-hmm. see, this is more, like, to me, like, a um, just, like, an intuition slash magic. But, like, I also think about, like, child actors when we see, like, certain child actors that are, that really, like, are magical and and pop and seem to be like so incredible and they're like eight or nine you're like how are they so just transcendent and then it's like you see them sort of like age maybe over the course of a television series and they lose a little bit of that like lack of uh self-awareness i guess Mm -hmm. like or sorry maybe the other way around just like they they gain a sense of maybe too much self-awareness as they go along and that's just like part of aging 
And I think that like the, yeah, the alethiometer is like less of a language and more of like, um, I don't know. A skill, like you said, right? Yeah. Like I always thought of it like it reminds me of like tarot cards or something like that. Mm. But if you had like a really intuitive, like, cause it's, it's symbol reading. It's like if you had a really intuitive read on something like that. And then, yeah, that could like, if you became too self-conscious, you might overthink it, mm-hmm. you know, to to read them. I don't know. That's just a, <laughs> I think the clo- the closest version of something in our world I can think of. I like that reading of it. Ha! Ah, no pun intended. And um, I will say, get into the heart of the cards right now. Oh, cloud cards or tarot cards? <laughs> but uh, there's something about it that's like to a young person, this feels like your life is over. This part of your life yeah. when you feel lost like this, like everything feels lost. But like to an older person that now has lived it and and felt that that's when the real skill begins. Like it was ease, it was grace, it came to you when you were younger, and that's when the hard part starts of actually mastering the skill and finessing the skill. And I think a lot of people, you know, with many hobbies or many things that they're talented at, when this comes to them, they either quit, you know, and walk away because they they. They are so flustered from that part of it, of like that self-awareness that has been born unto it. But then, you know, there are some people like what we get from Hannah Ralph telling her at the end of the chapter, you know, this is this is when it really begins. It might feel like your life is over, that everything has crashed down around you in the past two weeks ever in your life all at once. But this is when it all begins. Yeah. In, in Lyra's defense, it kind of is like that for her because she did go through... The underworld. It was like drawing from within. It's like if she's going to really learn these meanings and like, I mean, I guess we'll talk more about it later about like ways to read the alethiometer. And it's like, um, yeah, there is like some deeper, more like mystical understanding that like an advanced, like experienced worldly person would be able to do. Mm-hmm. That would be really different from a kid who she literally picked it up within like a few tries. She was like, oh, I, I get what this means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's like she didn't have a journey with it. It was just something that she felt was innate. No, I was going to say maybe it's like it. chess prodigies, right? Like they're like intuitively good, but they get even better, I guess, when they learn strategies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. But they're still right. like really good as kids. But Because that's the thing. There's the line right there that she says to him. She's like. I know all the symbols by heart. Like, I know where they are. And she still does know where they are. She just doesn't all of a sudden know what they mean. So that means that the muscle memory, and I'm speaking like this is, you know, like from a guitar, for example, memory, like muscle memory, you know, like you know where the chords are. You know what a G chord is. You can strum it if you press down on it. It might be shaky the first time, but if you keep playing at it and if you keep, Mm. you know, sticking your hands and callousing your fucking fingers until they're black after playing for hours and build that up, like you can get it back. Yeah, and actually, like, the thing, like, the the missing ingredient would probably just be, like, musicality. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, like, when you're c- touching back on to, say, an instrument again, it's, like, yeah, you might be, like, I know where a C chord is. I know what that is. But it's, like, your sense of flow and artistry might not be there yet until you go through all these motions, which is what I assume she will study is those motions again. But I like, like, she she was like, yeah, I know I, she only knew, like, the skull for death was, like, really obvious stuff. <laughs> so it's like all these ladders of meaning were missing in her when she looks at it again. Um, no bar chords yeah. in, the, in sight, you know? Not right. <laughs> Just G, D, C. Yeah, maybe an A minor, maybe an E if <laughs> she's, she's gonna getting a She's going to start a, a punk fancy. rock band. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> actually, she do. She should do that. She actually should. I think she would be great at it. But um, Lyra and the birds. I mean, she could play a lyre, right? She could. Uh, it's basically like a guitar. Um, <gasps> is what it. I've heard. Maybe I don't really know. Um, they're related. Yes. They're related. They're related. <laughs> so, they're related. Right. <laughs> well, it's but the it's music lot- in your brain. Yes. You know, it's supposed to make right. the music yes. in your head. Exactly. Yeah, like what you're saying about it being like your comparisons with playing an instrument and making art, because in general, it sounds like you are supposed to go into this sort of like concentrated flow state mm-hmm. when you're doing yeah. the thing of reading a, an alethiometer, which is a little bit like a, the experience of of creating and doing music, etc., which is... Great job, y'all yeah. are making dust. There's like this, yeah, like an ineffable quality, which really is like what what we're talking about. What dust is, what the <laughs> what this whole book's about. It's like that that ineffable thing. People who study and write about creativity, where does it come from? Like people talk about muses for a reason. It's like, oh, I'm just like grabbing a thought out of the air. We don't really know where they come from or why. There's methodical stuff you can do to write a perfect pop song there's structures there's you know things like that but it's like the 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 little magic to it is something nobody really gets so that's that's dust you have to find it on your own and make it on your own (laughs) yeah yeah build the republic of heaven yeah right where we are and it's imagination right i mean (laughs) yes actually uh, use your imagination it's all ties in yeah. yeah perfect but now we're still in sad times, because, uh... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We haven't gotten there yet. Lyra despairs that the, alethium- that the alethiometer came to help them through during their tribulations, and now it's gone and it will never come back. But that's not true, as we just discussed. But here to prove that she actually exists, Lyra, Zephania appears, floating down to ask for Will's help in learning to close the windows that the knife makes. What a fucking betrayer. Um... <laughs> She promises to help them in return, but she can't help him with the thing that he wants most. And Lyra asks, like, why can't she read the alethiometer? And Zephania responds that they're going to invent smartphones soon. You're not going to need it. And that Lyra read it by grace. And by working, she can regain the skill. It will take a lifetime, but her skill would be refined better coming from conscious understanding. And that she'll lead a full, long life to do it. One to enjoy reading the alethiometer in. <laughs> I love it. I, I will say, like, you know, reading by grace, I think that's such a great description of it all with everything we just said, right? Grace itself, yeah. being able to do something with ease and agility and to take ownership of it and, like, you know, focusing on what comes next instead of what's happened. And it's almost a gift. People like to say it's, you know, a, a gift that God gives them grace or that they have grace through God or through something. And Lyra, you know, when puberty comes, as you mentioned, Haley, nothing really happens with grace. We see it in the next chapter. You know, it's been two weeks and even everyone at Jordan is like, oh, Lyra can no longer gracefully like a cat topple around the house and land on her feet and jump across the rooftops. Puberty's shaken that off of her and now she has to reconfigure. It's like all the code has been jumbled in a bag and now she has to refigure out who the fuck she is. What a disgusting time it is. Uh, <laughs> really, really like that. You get older yeah. and your bones get more brittle and you're like, they just don't heal as fast. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Will asks if every single window must be closed and Zephania tells him, Dust is not a constant. There's not a fixed quantity that has always been the same. 
Conscious beings make dust. They renew it all the time by thinking and feeling and reflecting, by gaining wisdom and passing it on. And if you help everyone else in your worlds to do that, by helping them to learn and understand about themselves and each other and the way everything works, and by showing them how to be kind instead of cruel and patient instead of hasty and cheerful instead of surly, and above all, how to keep their minds open and free and curious, then they will renew enough to replace what's lost through one window. So there could be one left open. Cam Zafania just said, toxic positivity for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I do like it though because like it, kind of I mean good. it is that but it, I, it's I'm that just but it's also yeah no but you're right like <laughs> this dumb angel <laughs> like just make sure they all smile and <laughs> do yoga <laughs> but like really there there's something to it's like we're, we're we're trying to get people to expand their consciousness beyond like themselves and um it's probably like challenging task like i don't know how they're going to do that like but i guess everyone you meet just you know inject this idea into them (laughs) but i think that's yeah that's again a republic of heaven kind of quality is that we're trying to get people to like have open minds and like regard their own consciousness and wisdom and all that yeah build Mm. it themselves yeah create their own dust sustainable dust community Oh my gosh. Yeah, and stop trying to like do whack stuff like with the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't consider those bozos, you know? Ditch the zeros, get right. with the heroes, which oh are my gosh. Bad. Right. Yeah. It is. It's kind of like it be like Lyra h- hugging the gross bird. Yeah. We love gross birds. <laughs> Will's excited thinking this could be their secret <sighs> window, right? And Lyra's like, no. Because remember the dead that we just let out of the skies? Like, if we open a window, is that not positively contributing to what we just fixed? They have to live full <sighs> lives, they remember, so they can bring stories to the world of the dead someday themselves as well. Something to tell the harpies. Something to tell the dead to keep the dead free. Of course, there's a really sad passage that Will and Lyra both just get so upset. A swell of anger. Life's unfair. This is bullshit. Uh, but there's no arguing with fate. And as they come from the rage, they know they have to go face the truth. The angel is as sorrowful as they are, but she can see farther into the future than they can. So she feels hope, too. Interesting. Interesting. What could it mean? Also, I'm just like, whatever, Zephania. Good for you that you feel hope right now. But like, that's not helpful to anyone. I'm mad at Zephania. <laughs> yeah. She's just like a glowing, naked idiot. <laughs> Zephania is in many ways good, but I'm like, we could have tried harder. Anyway. Uh, but they have to and probably learn. a fake angel. You know? Come on. That's a fake angel. Fake According to Lyra. girl angel. Oh my god. Right. Oh my god. Uh, Will teaches Zephania, fake fangirl angel, how to close a window, but he has to open another one first. So, you know, the last cut, the second to last cut, mm-hmm. I guess, if you really want to get technical. Zephania says she'll take care of all the specters, and they talk about the origins of the knife, that it was actually a human invention. Yeah, Makes so sense. I thought that was interesting, you know, that because it's a human invention, humans carry that knowledge, and the angels don't, right? That humans can make new knowledge, but mm-hmm. that's not what I want to talk about. That would be, like, a really nice, beautiful <laughs> thing to say. I want to say, because Will, Will is like, um, but if I make a new window, then a new specter will be born, and Zephania's like, we'll take care of it. And I'm like, so you could take care of it. Like, all, you could all just, like, take care of it. There's, like, a bazillion angels out there, right? And they live a long-ass time. They could station, like, they could station one each year. One each year. 
to have to be with Will and Lyra, and their job mm. is to just take care of the specter every single time they open a new window. But that's all. Exactly. That's Eliana. They still can't. What? What? It doesn't work. That's not how it works, Eliana. Because Are you they not didn't want to. They didn't if, want if to there work were, for yeah. it. Yeah, they didn't. If there was like one angel who would just be like a bodyguard, like at the door, be like, get that specter, like each time. Yeah. That would be whatever, however they're doing that. <laughs> exactly. No, I but mean, literally. Exactly. At that cost, why couldn't Will just keep the knife and open a window all the time and say, hey, Lyra, and then kill the specter and then close the window? That's literally what I'm saying. Why couldn't they do that? But like, do the specters though don't appear? Yeah, that's true. Where the window is, they're like they're different everywhere. Like it's pretty oh. much implied that mm-hmm. like specters are what make people have mental illness in our world, in the Will's world, because um, he he says it like the specter attacking the guy like reminds mm-hmm. him of his mom having her issues. Mm-hmm. So it's like everywhere, it's probably something a little bit different. <laughs> Which would be... Oh, so blame Eliana for my issues? That's what I just heard. This is Eliana's fault because she wanted Uh, the windows open. It's Zafania's fault for giving us mental illness. Yeah, Zafania could fix it. All right? Zafania seems perfectly fine. Will and Lyra are depressed now and Zafania is not. And Zafania could help. Maybe Zafania's a specter. Have you ever thought of that? It sure feels that way. She's quite an emotional vampire. Yeah, like Colin Robinson. Am I right? Oh my god! Yes. yes. And if you haven't watched today's episode, you need to anyway. Oh my gosh, I'm not I'm behind. Oh. I'm behind on the whole catch series. up. You two catch up. See, this season just got really outrageous. It was whew, wow. I'm behind on this season, so we'll get with it. Um, <sighs> my god. So Will's like close all the windows except one, the one in the land of the dead. He's like, if I can have one window, it has to be the land and the dead. Uh, and then he's like, so how many windows are there, by the way, to close? And she's like, thousands. Also, there's the terrible <laughs> abyss that blew open from the bomb that Marisa and Asriel are free fallen through still. And then Asriel's great <laughs> opening and then many, many smaller openings, some in the air, some in the earth. Baruch and Balthamos used to actually use those windows, but they have other ways of travel, she says. Libra's like, well, could I learn that? Could we learn that? Will's father had, so it's not impossible, Zephania says, and it's done using your imagination and hard work, too, as we've been saying, you know, using the old imagination chamber. She then says that it takes long practice. Yes, you have to work your whole life. Did you think you could snap your fingers and have it as a gift? What is worth having is worth working for. But you have a friend who's already taken the first steps and they could help you. Hmm. I definitely think that friend... Is Mary Malone through Serafina, and I think we're gonna talk about it more in the discussion. But very interesting, very interesting. Pretty cool. Mm. It is interesting. I had like a brief tinfoil moment. Is, is it his mom? But oh, oh. interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe she's just been astral projecting this whole time. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. And look at me. <laughs> it's probably Mary Malone, but I uh, that was a brief yeah. silly moment in my head. <laughs> Will is frustrated, and so am I, but asks if they'll ever see Zephania or another angel again, and Zephania tells him not to wait for them, and then realizes out loud, oh, we should probably break the knife, and we have this line of, while they had been speaking, the window had been opened beside them. The lights were glowing in the factory, the work was going on, machines were turning, chemicals were combining, people were producing goods and earning their livings. That was the world where Will belonged! 
That sounds so depressing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I mean. Sounds like our world. I hate it. I hate well, that, it there. I mean, that's the point, right? I guess. Damn. Fuck. Yeah. So, Will shows the angel how to close the windows and the factory that they see disappears. He asks if they must close even the windows that are not made by the knife. And the angel goes, yes, because otherwise you'll waste your life looking for the other windows. And you've got work to do. Get back to the factory, Will. And he starts to mm. ask but stops because he doesn't want to wonder what his work will be or waste his life wondering or being resentful. And whatever he does, he will choose it and no one else. Um, and Zephania says he's taken the first steps to wisdom, which, I mean, this feels pretty significant, right? Uh, I assume we can talk about yeah. the lantern slides. And one of the one of the possibilities that Will puts out, he's like, you might tell me I need to be a fighter or a healer or I don't know, he says some other thing. He's like, but I want to choose it for myself. And we find out he does become a healer. Yeah. yeah, he becomes Doctor. Doctor Will. Doctor Who. And that's the boy that grew up to mm-hmm. be the doctor from Doctor Who. He becomes wow. Damon Targaryen? Anyways, Jesus <laughs> wait, 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 Okay, wait, one more thing about like the choosing and like that I mean that's pretty significant that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to know what his fate will be because he technically Lyra's the one who's going to be the one who does it, but together they are the children who destroy destiny. Aww. And they right. get to choose. They get choice and free will. He's free will. We freed Will finally, <gasps> I mean, guys. We just freed they, him. Yes. They have a choice. They do have a choice here. It's just like the choices suck. Yeah. They all suck. I guess that's adulthood too. Mm. Fuck. Yeah. And, you know, Zephania says that's the first steps to wisdom, which, like I said earlier, the archangel is, that's, uh, Zophiel is supposed to be the angel of wisdom. Right, so Zephania, it sucks. Yeah. I know she's being a pain in the fucking clitoris right now. <laughs> okay, but like she's not that wise if she couldn't think of this plan that I thought of. <laughs> but she's telling them that the hard way is going to be the right way, the good way, in the long run. That they are going to grow and live better, more fulfilled lives for having loved and lost than not loving at all. <sighs> It just fucking sucks, and she's being kind of a bitch about it, okay? She's being, she's being stern like, about it. She thinks she she's be being softer. nice about it, but and she probably is being nice about it, but I'm just like... Like, in an angel way. Exactly. Like, like she doesn't have like, human skills. It's like, you're a little blunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least some less blunt people are on the way, right? Lyra sees a light yeah. at sea, which Zephania says it's her friends to bring them home. I don't like that. She never thought she'd see the day she hated seeing Farter Coram, oh. John Fon, Serafina Pecola. So the line there is like, you know, that is a ship to bring, that is a ship bringing your friends to take you home. They will be here tomorrow. And then the next line goes, the word tomorrow felt like a heavy blow. Lyra had never thought she would be real, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so the repetition and emphasis on the word tomorrow for some reason kind of reminds me of that speech from Macbeth, you know, the famous one of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And I don't think I make a very good, like, Macbeth. I'm saying it. I'm saying it, Chloe. I said Macbeth. And... (laughs) (laughs) How could you do that to me? 
Uh, you should say it. I- I'm the one who's cursed, not you. I'm the one shortening my life here. And <laughs> Okay, Lyra or Will, whoever you want to be. Jesus. <sighs> Too soon, sorry. So, this is actually, you know, that really depressing speech that follows, you know, Macbeth learning that his wife has committed suicide. You know, just his lover and, like, the loss and... It's about many things, really, including that life is empty and meaningless, as is death. And there are a lot of, that's usually pretty depressing, but there are a lot of philosophies of nihilism and existentialism that act, existentialism that actually interpret that meaninglessness of life as liberating when you get to that point. That if life means nothing, then you have the power to make it mean anything, which is pretty awesome, I think. And... That's very much what these books encourage us to do from Lyra's insistence that they have to both like live full lives and the reminder that to live them, right? To live your own so that you can tell stories and then Will's refusal to hear of his fate so that he can choose and decide his life's own meaning. But there's also, to get back to being sad, an aspect of the speech that's, that is just really very much about that loss of a loved one, especially your most beloved one. I mean, not that Macbeth, like, really showed that at the end, but, like, they were a team, you know? He and his wife, they were a team. And uh, losing that person can make life feel meaninglessness, which is... can make life feel meaningless, which is pretty much the problem that Will and Lyra are facing now, but something that they must do, they have to live on for themselves and for the rest of humanity, because they're yesterdays. We'll have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Dusty death. No. Why are you? But this like person? now it's good. <laughs> yeah, but it right. still hurts. Oh yeah. No, it's all hurtful. Everything's hurtful. Zephania must take her leave and she kisses their foreheads. Just saying, you could be nicer to her, Eliana. Uh, no, and then she also- dashed it. She dined and dashed, okay? He taught her how to close the windows, and she's like, cool, peace out. I'm done here. Yeah, well, <laughs> she doesn't have the same social, you know, fulfillment. Uh, uh, anyways, so. <laughs> she's all the time in the world. She's an angel. She also kisses their demons, which is interesting because, you know, that's kind of taboo for normal human beings, but not for angels because they're also kind of like dust personified almost. Uh, and the demons change into birds to fly with her as she disappears. Moments later, Lyra realizes she had never asked about her parents. Fuck. And now she can't even ask the alethiometer, and she wonders if she'll ever know. Me too, Lyra. Me too. <laughs> oh, Will, what can we do? Whatever can we do? I want to live with you forever. I want to kiss you and lie down with you and wake up with you every day of my life till I die. Years and years and years away. I don't want a memory. Just a memory. No. Memory is a poor thing to have. It's your own real hair and mouth and arms and eyes and hands I want. I didn't know I could ever love anything so much. Well, you'll keep living, kid. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, was no one going to give that take ever? Because I'm like, all right, yeah, (laughs) yes, but you've been through a lot. But I also see the other side here. Uh, And of course, the other half of this, though, is very sad and beautiful. I'll be looking for you, Will, every moment, every single moment. And when we do find each other again, we'll cling so tight that nothing and no one will tear us apart. Every atom of me and every atom of you. 
will live in birds and flowers and dragonflies and pine trees and in clouds and in those little specks of light you see floating in sunbeams. And when they use our atoms to make new lives, they won't just be able to take one. They'll have to take two. One of you and one of me will be joined so tight. They lay side by side, hand in hand, looking at the sky. That's pretty terrible. It's like one of the most brilliant, beautiful passages probably written, you know, in this like era of literature. But it's uh, terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever had to read out loud. I didn't like it. Right. (laughs) Zero out of ten. Wouldn't do again. (laughs) Something that you're bringing up, this idea is like, you know, they are, um, what are they supposed to be? 12, 13, probably 13 at this point. Yeah. Something like that. So it's like. While we have experienced this book probably more than once, and <laughs> we're we're like this is like the most gutting uh, mm-hmm. couple of chapters in literature. You know, it's like it it's it hurts because they have all these reasons why it can't work, mm-hmm. and we also know like that they're thirteen, mm-hmm. and that's like also why <laughs> you wouldn't want to sacrifice everything, both like the planet yeah. and your lives, to be with your thirteen-year-old lover. <laughs> so it's like the pain of that also mm-hmm. is in there. Just yeah. saying, <laughs> I root for Lyra and Will, though. <laughs> yeah, even some closure, you know. Yeah, just some closure. Absolutely. It's also just like they went through. I don't know. It's different when it's mm-hmm. like. Someone who understands completely something that you could never explain, right, to someone yeah. else. And they're the right. only person who knows, but... Oh, yeah. I also wanted to call out, you know, our friend Ariana, who wrote out to us, like, a while ago, who had, like, this... I think we read some of her letter, and it was brilliant regarding, um, you know, the Turkish delights and Narnia and, and, and the temptation for the children and... Ariana, thank you so much for sharing this with us, like that you've been in a long distance relationship before, um, having to drive to see like your person and, you know, um, to quote Ariana, I think what makes Will and Lyra's choice so important is that almost nobody would actually choose this. We are all happy to make our world a little worse for a slice of happiness. We normalize (laughs) that for each other. These kids grew up in worlds where this is normalized. What made them strong enough to pause and actively decide. The mm-hmm. adults around them frame these choices in a certain way. Serafina and Zephania and Mary all give them support to choose for themselves so they had to make an active informed choice. We see this active choice making through both kids' arcs. Will explains how hard choosing is to Yorick that it's easy to circumvent a choice because you want to appear brave and doing the right thing is very hard. Thank you, Ariana. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like all three of us have been in long distance relationships before, mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. know. I remember like one of the last few times I had to do the the parting at the train station kind of thing, yeah. and I I just remember I was like, why is this so upsetting? Oh my god, it feels like I'm being literally torn from myself. Like I get it. It's a horrible feeling, and then I just chose to move in instead, which was great. And they don't have that option, so. <laughs> Right. So that no. sucks for them. Sucks for them. Yeah. Yeah. Mine worked out, I guess. So and so yeah. did yours. And yeah. so did yours, Haley. It all worked you out. know what? Everything yeah. worked out in the end. You know? For so us. I'm, not I'm praying for Lyra. You yeah, know? it's true. I'll pray true, for true, you, true. Lyra. Yeah. <laughs> There's hope. You know, they remember back to a time when they first had met in Chittagatse and how fierce she had been and brave and he'd been so afraid and they kind of flirt back and forth and they sob a little and cuddle and, you know, all the things you have to do when you have to break up with your soulmate and move very far away. 
Their demons change and come to them, and they're in kind of a different form than before. Pan is an animal that Will doesn't quite know. A red, gold, powerful, ferret-looking thing. He realizes it's a pine marten. Kirjava is a cat of no ordinary size with lustrous fur, a thousand patchwork shades of gray, black, and blue all mixed together. It's described as subtle. <laughs> like a knife. Like a knife. <laughs> what? Really? Are you sure? <laughs> we get it. It doesn't subtle as a pigeon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Lyra asks Pan. That'd be so. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Hilly? No, nothing. It would just be so funny if Lyra's final demon was a pigeon. <laughs> it would say a lot. Yeah. It would say a lot. She's a little dirt bag, you know? <laughs> She'd just hang on the roofs. It could yeah, be a witch, exactly. right? I guess it's a bird. Right. But it's I'm also like, dang, a, you a pigeon. It's like it's it's like a sort of like, yeah, like poor man's witch <laughs> demon. <laughs> they they are kind of cool, I guess. Um Sure. Lara asks Pan if he'll be changing much more. He says no, and she remembers when they were younger, when he would change all the time. But now she's like, I wouldn't mind you staying like this. <sighs> Will puts his hand on hers and he feels peaceful. Then he knowingly and purposefully pets Pan's red gold fur, and Lyra gasps, a gasp filled with pleasure and joy, like when they had put the fruit to each other's lips. And so she does the same to Gurjava's fur. And then they know that their demons have settled. These were their shapes for life. They would want no other. So wondering whether any lovers before them had made this blissful discovery, they lay together as the earth turned slowly and the moon and stars blazed above them. <laughs> this is very sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a weird way. <laughs> is it? I don't know if it's that weird. I know, like, I retweeted something recently and they were like, if I wrote about, like, my actual experiences from between the ages of 12 and 19, yeah. people would say I was sexualizing yeah. minors. And I mean, like... I only say weird because we're adults talking yeah. about it. Yeah, but um, it is it is sexy and it is, like, an, a very obvious, like, allegory of them discovering each other in some way. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they were yeah, feeling tingly sure. in their pants, man. Like, tingly. Remember yeah. that? Like, we all did. Yeah. Everybody yeah. felt tingly your first, like, you got that, Absolutely. not just your pants, you know, your skin. You're on fire. Everything feels like it's on fire. You feel you're like, and, and the cutest part of this, too, is like, wondering whether any lovers before yeah. them, right? So innocent. The yeah. very first time where they're like, the first time you have a little bit of drink, like or that's there's your first book sure. callback, right? With Roger, they have their first wine together, and their body gets all tingly, yeah. and that was their first kind of like awakening experience together. And then with Will, this is her first like holy shit bodily experience. That wow, we are. There's also sync. yeah, like the, I was uh, just gonna say that like the this this original series is very much from like a more child ish perspective Mm -hmm. and so like we're seeing it mostly through like how lyra would experience like what she knows about demons and you know her limited experience of that so it's like anytime somebody's touched somebody else's demon it's always been an attack or something like Mm -hmm. like someone was aggressing or it was really gross Mm -hmm. and so yeah she wouldn't know that like probably lovers touch each other's demons you know and that she's she's just learning this now 
And same with like all the other stuff they learn about consciousness and yeah. <laughs> all of that. It sort of like expands. And then when we go into Books of Dust, it like that expands like so much further as well, like with her uh, aging and wisdom. Just in general, that metaphor of people that you love touching your soul. That's something I think mm-hmm. just really beautiful in general and, and yeah. how you can how finding people who you love that love you help you see yourself more clearly. Yeah. And that's a little bit of how we figured out what our demons are today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, you know, Haley will put you on the spot. We've been, oh and, and so you know, you know, this has been the big tease that we could not settle our demons until their demons settled. I know we're a little yeah. past the puberty age here. But I, I thought we could I'm afford ourselves. I'm reliving my 13s right now. So if you could just fuck off. Yeah. Let me have this. Yeah. I'm repairing a- my inner adolescence child. Adolescence goes a lot longer now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I, I've i never been sure about this. But and maybe like I don't I don't know if I stand by my choice because it makes it, me sound too cool. Like it's like I bet like it would be like I feel like everyone's demons like a little bit like less cool <laughs> um but like like what's a pine martin <laughs> like, right i don't know what, what that is what is it i don't know animals right. so right if i knew more like nuanced animals maybe i come up with a better one but my choice was that i'd be a wolf i was obsessed with wolves when i was a kid and i like them because they're ferocious but they're also little cuties and they sing because they howl but i'm not a dog because dogs are for servants and cops yeah, <laughs> apparently <that> is... <gasps> sadly that is um but then when i asked zach he said i said what would my demon be and he said it would be an actual demon like some little oh. weird thing from hell how <laughs> he doesn't get it he does not get it i mean dragons were he possible showed me a picture Oh, okay. It would be a. T- wouldn't you want like a, a small thing? It wouldn't be so annoying to have like a huge ass demon. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm just saying, Imagine exactly living with right. that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's kind of you like also, AR if you live in our world, though, right? Like, so you only see it if you line it up just right. Right. It's oh totally gosh. AR. Right. If I just had like a dragon flying behind me at all times. Yeah. So it's like the Dracaris yeah. app exactly. Oh, <laughs> the Dracaris. but i actually do see a wolf for you like especially with that explanation i see it i could see it i like to run i like being in a pack but also being like adventuring kind of on my own Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) strong independent in some manners Mm -hmm. heck yeah i love that well thanks y'all yeah i guess uh what you should work on Based on the way that they do things in this book, is figuring out specifically which wolf. That's the next because we yeah. don't know. I don't know what a fucking Arctic chuff is. Can't be yeah. chuffed. In the Mary words Malone of was like, ha. "Oh, I know." <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I'll think about specific breeds of wolves and color. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cool stuff. All right, who's next? You're up. You're up to bat, Eliana. Am I up to bat or up to rat? Because... Oh my god. Oh shit. <laughs> Good segue. I'm, thank you, I'm serious. Thank you. Actually, I do really like bats. They're pretty cool animals. They're very cute. Mm. Um, underrated. And They're cool. Yeah, they're like little puppies in the sky. But, yeah, I like I said, it's hard. It's hard. I still don't know. I know one of my cousins like recently compared me and said, 
she she I, um I was able to like pet some cats and they were like it's because she's a cat right and they think that I'm very cat like which I don't know but then I asked my partner what animal would you say that I am and he said you're a rat and I was like what the fuck <laughs> I was like do you think I rat people out on things and he's like no like, he's like you know rats they all like have individual personalities they're clever and they're cute so I guess I agree. Uh, you think okay, rats I don't are cool. Know if they're cute. Not Their that like you're a so rat scary. necessarily, but I actually think they're really cute. In fact, the last time I saw Haley, I was visiting and we took the subway to see Haley, and I was just <laughs> yeah. taking videos of the rats. Yeah. They were really cute. They were really clever. They were down there getting some brief snacks and some hors d'oeuvres, you know, before the train came. They were like, oh, yeah. Oh. As long as they don't touch you, the yeah. city ones, yeah. <laughs> then you're good. Well, yeah. I mean, they're all kind of like dirty and carry disease in their own way, you know? Right? That maybe that's so are we. Is. I don't know. But like historically, but you know, I've known people with pet rats that were adorable. Historically, true. we're all disease riddled. That's, that's also true. true. That's also true. <laughs> so but, don't um, discriminate against rats. What the fuck's your problem? Well, everything's disgusting. Every time, yeah, every time I see one in the city, I am a little. I'm like, look, it's the local wildlife. <laughs> every time I point it out, I'm like, I like look that. at that, and like I'll gesture when people visit. I'm like, there's the rats. <laughs> the recently, when I was in a park, this was actually not that recently, like two years ago. Now that I think about it, it was like getting dark, so the rats start scurrying around. They get real bold at night, and so I hissed at them to keep them away, and it works. It works. But uh, other than that, like. My partner also pointed out that rats are the star of the one true mecha anime, Ratatouille, which also, you know, we, to point out, rats are also good cooks, and I think I'm a pretty good cook. They're also a little gross. I'm a little gross. And, you know, um, yeah, I'm not really sure if I, how I feel about this, but I guess if I'm a rat, it, I guess it has to be a city rat. Um, but you would, like, scared. think of the pocket. Your rat would sit right in your pocket. You could have, like, a... Oh. So fun. Like in a, a cute little like and it would sleep right in your pocket in like yeah. a shirt pocket or hoodie pocket. And it could sleep in your hood. <gasps> oh, that is pretty cute. Maybe I'm like Tony Macarios, right? That. Like with Ratter. Yeah, with Ratter. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I love that. I love that. I actually really love that you're a rat. That's way actually kind of cool. <laughs> Am I? Do you really think I'm a rat? I don't know. I, I never would have guessed it, personally. I, I would not either have guessed it. I didn't know what to expect <laughs> for you. I really didn't, actually. I, I like don't it. know what to expect. Okay. I don't know if that's so it, I but I do like it. That I'm a city rat. No, no, I think you're a little rat. Or, or like well, a No, mouse. I think I'm yeah. a big rat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big rat. I'm living off of Popeyes, you know? I'm the one that's, like, oh, yeah. stirring up the Popeyes in the Washington, D.C. Like... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the ones that, like, all come out, and they're like, ooh, found us. That's me. Dra dr you find them dragging food, oh, like, yeah. full-size oh, food. Yeah. yeah. That's me. That is um, And the cats you. are afraid. Yeah. Mm. If I'm gonna be a rat, that's the kind. That says a lot, actually, because... <laughs> so my They demon. eat well. Yeah, what, what are you? Chloe, let's what talk are about you? you. Let's talk about you. I feel like you've known for a long time, though, secretly. Is that my Virgo rising you're making fun of, or is it just me? Um, yeah, I have known for a little bit. I actually specifically chose a little bit ago, like maybe a month or two ago, I really put the pedal to the metal, and I was like, I need to figure out which fucking one of these I am. Because I knew that, like, yes, I was a certain animal, but what variant mm. of the animal, what, what breed, what, you know... Mm. What did I look like? Where am I from? There's a lot going into this role play here of having a demon. So 
A lot of our patrons kind of already called it because of my tendencies, but I am a cat. I am definitely a cat <laughs> demon. Like, that is definitely, there's no other demon I could have but a cat demon. However, because I knew that answer wasn't quite sufficient, it's kind of a cop out because it's an obvious answer. Because <laughs> you've all mm-hmm. met me. I could just, you know, sleep and throw things off the table all day long. But <laughs> I am a Felice Margarita. Oh, that sounds delicious. Or mm. a sand cat, a sand dune oh. cat. Um, it has like sandy, <gasps> light gray fur, and it camouflages well in desert environment. And so it's it's a few fold of a thing. Like we don't know uh, because my mother was adopted through Catholic services. Could be Italian, could be other things too. And we don't know my biological father. I think there could be some sort of Eastern in me because of some of my chronic illness crap that comes from the East. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe I was from some, had a little something in me, just a little something in there. But that said, they also, like, the big joke is that I'm really bad at drinking water in my household. And my husband- (laughs) That's not a joke. That's, like, true. (laughs) And a a problem. It's a running gag for me. It's a running gag in my household that I don't drink water. And by that, I mean a health problem. Um, But the sand cat can fulfill its water requirements in the desert by consuming its prey alone. So, like, I can, you know, live off of less water than most is really what I think. So, I don't know. Very beautiful. This is the cutest cat I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. (laughs) It is is what I would be if I I was a demon or if I had a demon. I don't know. It's so cute. Its face is so poof. Yeah. It's got little little stripes, stripey stripes. I like the stripes. The stripes are so cute. I spent a long time I, I like this for you. deciding. Thank you. Yeah, I need to get more specific with mine. Yeah. Sure. I just like the uh, the eyes and the little poofs on the cheeks, the little pointedness. I don't know. Yeah. Don't tell my cats, you know, mm. they'd be jealous. But yeah. It was that or like a Chinese mountain cat. Honestly, I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want, I was like, I like that too. But I also am like, am I a big wild cat too? Like, I don't know what I am. I looked through a lot of them. I wasn't sure what to go with for me. And I didn't actually ask my husband's opinion. <laughs> so, There's a lot of animals mm. out there. Do you want me to ask? Do you want me to text and be like, yeah, DM him? What, what demon do you tell Nick? Yeah. Because everyone needs to have a contribution. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to it for the end of the episode if he's messaged back for sure. For sure. Maybe I'm a dingo. Oh, my God. Dingo. <laughs> I'm looking at all these animals. I sent, I sent him oh, a no. DM in all caps. Hey, this is Good. urgent. Good. Well, while we yeah, wait for his insight, let's blast through the final chapter of the Amber Spyglass yeah. together. The Botanic Garden, Chapter 38. The Egyptians arrive the following day. Their ship is anchored far out. Mary tells the Mulefa everything she knows of them, so when they arrive with Serafina guiding them, they're greeted by a curious crowd. John Fa has patience. He's determined to practice graceful diplomacy with this people. St. Max welcomes them with a speech translated by Mary and later gets shown around by the Mulefa, noticing Farder Quorum has issues walking. They offer to carry him to the gathering place to Will and Lyra. It's been ages since Lyra's seen these men, and they notice it immediately. Coram's like, wow, she is all grown up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's called trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went to hell. And back. (laughs) Literally, and heaven. Wow. And then I destroyed it. (laughs) (laughs) That's my girl. 
Lyra, my dear, if I had the tongue of an angel, I couldn't tell you how glad I am to set eyes on you again. But she looks so hurt, he thought. She looks so frail and weary. And neither he nor John Fogg had missed the way she stayed close to Will and how the boy with the straight black eyebrows was aware every second of where she was and made sure he never strayed far from her. That's so nice. It's very sweet and very sad because she's come back changed and a little different and a little wrecked. And, you know, there's... In love. In love, yeah. (laughs) A completely different girl than who left. Not the little knees and elbows tyrant that was running around running Jordan, right? Now she's back. There's something interesting in the language in here. Um, Specifically, if I had the tongue of an angel. So... I was kind of doing some digging around and I found something about some kind of uh, somewhat accounts, some theophanies of people that have just kind of think they've had a vision from God or had an encounter with God. And I don't know about all of them. And I guess the founder of the Latter-day Saint movement kind of founded some of his beliefs on this specific one. But Norris Stearns in 1815 published a vision he had in Greenfield, Massachusetts, the religious experience of Norris Stearns written by divine command. And the parts of it that I found fascinating. As this light and love increased, my sins began to separate and the mountain removed toward the east. At length, being in an ecstasy of joy, I turned to the other side of the bed, whether in body or out, I cannot tell, God knoweth. There I saw two spirits, which I knew at first sight. But if I had the tongue of an angel, I could not describe their glory, for they brought the joys of heaven with them. He goes on to describe it as God and Jesus, basically. Uh, And he calls God, he says about God that his face uh, were as if it were a flame of fire, which really makes me think of Will, actually, because he has those dark eyebrows and that furrowed look, you know, and that jaw. (laughs) And just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought the language was interesting because I'm pretty sure it has to be taken exactly from that because I have found nothing else but that. The tongue of an angel. The tongue yeah. of an angel. Interesting. I mean, that it's makes a weird sense. One. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It, it stuck out yeah. and I was like, what? what is this? What is this? Right. But, you know, the vision of seeing both of them as uh, that figure, like he's looking at these two holy figures and a vision coming to him. Yeah. Appearing. Yeah. Well. I mean, these two these two kids are pretty much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Will admires their power, and they greet and treat him respectively. He thinks that in one day, maybe he would behave like John Fa, a shelter, a refuge, a power tempered by courtesy. It's pretty cute. Yeah. The Egyptians are given fresh water and food by the Malefa, who had also offered to feast them that evening, and so they did, which I love. I love that the Malefa have a very generous culture. That involves people should eat here with us. They explained that three worlds met that day to share bread, meat, fruit, and wine. The Egyptians presented the Malefa with gifts from their world, like crocs from Jennifer, carvings of walrus ivory, silken tapestries from Turkestan, and cups of silver from the mines of Sweden, and enameled dishes from Korea. In turn, the Malefa give them rare vessels of ancient knotwood, lengths of the finest rope and cord, lacquered bowls, and fishing nets that are stronger and lighter than the Egyptians had ever seen. I love this. It's all about, if you're talking about making sure people learn patience and not to be surly and kind and stuff to make a republic, it's gotta be all about different worlds meeting each other. Hmm. 
Yeah, I love that this is like the first foundational dinner of the Republic of Heaven, right? The first supper, Ooh, you could yeah. call it even. <gasps> cool. I love that. Love it. Yeah, even like a pilgrimage of peoples across worlds come to like make a peace treatise almost. I don't know. It's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> but of course, all of the fun and diplomacy must come to an end as they prepare to sail home. Before they part from dinner, Sadamax says, a great change has come over everything, and as a token, we've been granted a responsibility. We would like to show you what this means. They then follow the Mulefa to the hole where the land of the dead had been opened, where ghosts continue to come out. The Mulefa were planting a grove around it, calling it a holy place, a source of joy. Coram's astonished by the mystery, as is John Fa, who are happy to see it, but... Dying in darkness is a fear of all, they say. If they can show the light to some, to be free in the sky like the birds, that could be the best anyone would wish for. Ugh. I love it. Isn't this, like, the good place? Yeah, You know? Like, and it, like, the grove, like, I feel like they, th- like, that's sort of the whole point is, like, our, our ideas of heaven and hell are incomplete. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the actual thing that happens at the end is just to be sort of, like, absorbed out into, like, a forest, <laughs> you know? And just, like, become part of everything. And it's, like, it's, it's, I love that that's, like, honestly where I think a lot of people's creative vision of it goes <laughs> is like we just sort of become sparkling dust into everything <laughs> i like that it's a grove yeah. a sacred grove is nice i love it so much it's like trees of souls right it's the sparks upon mm-hmm. the tree of souls basically and we're all just sparks we're all just part of it and i think the sacred grove part is amazing that they're creating their own sacred cove of like these beautiful trees their own knowledge they're growing their own power and knowledge and magic and, you know, yeah. it does remind me of, like, Abraham in Genesis, right before he's asked to make his great sacrifice that he plants a grove in Beersheba, and he calls God there. And, like, that's right before he's like, yo, I need you to kill one of your kids. And then he's like, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, good, it was a test. It was just a test, bro. Just a test. Um, <laughs> just a prank, bro. Yeah. That's really It's not up, just man. a prank right now. Like, God is like, yo, Will, yo, Lyra, nah, you can't be together. But, but... I wish there was a prank. I wish it was a prank. It's not. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really like that. That idea that they're growing and turning it into a place of worship. That they made it They made it a real destination. Well, they decide to ask Lyra how this came about later on. Um, I like that they call it a mystery, right? Kind of like a mystery of faith. It's not that mysterious. There's a whole reason. I read a book of how this happened. Uh, meanwhile... Mary must say goodbye to her very best friend, Atal. Actually, they are really good friends. I know. Yeah. Oh, this is painful. Who gives her a parting gift, a lacquer file containing a wheel tree oil and a little bag of seeds. Atal tells her, they might grow in your world, but they might not. And if they don't, you have the oil. She makes Mary promise never to forget them. And Mary promises never that... She could live as long as the witches do, but she would never forget the Malefa's kindness. <laughs> Man. <sighs> Alright, and so the journey home begins. Two weeks pass on the sea within the blink of an eye. Sophania had told Serafina that the openings were closed and the worlds would go back to their proper places, including Lyra and Will's Oxford being transposed on top of one another, though they could never truly touch. That would be impossible. <laughs> 
They arrive in the evening to no signs of life to Tritagatsa-ish area, and they eat a last meal together, watching the darkness fall, and Will, be Will begins to say goodbye to them all, and everyone can see Will even more clearly than before. He's someone young, strong, and deeply stricken. And finally, Mary, Serafina, Will, Lyra, and their demons set off to go through the empty city. The garden is empty and childhood is gone. Mm, the party's over. It's like the very Party end of like a, time. my God, it's like an end of a con weekend or something, you know, like when you're the last <laughs> ones there, everything's winding Best. down. God, you're depressed, right? You're watching everybody leave, being the last one to leave. And that's what it feels like. That's so Oof. sad. Serafina and Mary hang back and they speak to one another as sisters. It's very sweet. Lyra plans to come to Mary's Oxford just for a moment, quickly to do something and come back afterwards. Serafina asks what Mary's going to do from here. And she's like, well, I'll take Will to my house for the night. And the next day we'll find his mom and figure everything else out. You know, what we can do to help her, what we can do to help him. Also dealing with the authorities because they're probably both wanted for like, you know, murder and robbery. And she does oh got the him. murder. Yeah, he's still wanted for the murder. <laughs> yeah, like they probably went wow. to search his house. and They're like, there's a dead body here. Yeah. How are they gonna Yeah, that's gonna be a little rough. Um yeah. It's fine, he goes to medical school. <laughs> yeah, you know he he lives through it. <sighs> Besides, she needs him. She has no job, no money. <laughs> the police are probably after her too, as said. He'll be kind of the only person she has to actually understand her life now, too. They arrived at the window that Mary first came through. The broad boulevard with the line of palm trees in the center. The first window Will had seen was opened here and had been guarded by police on the other side, the one Mary tricked her way through. Will reaches through and he closes the window. <laughs> he cuts a careful one through the moonlit streets of Chittagatse while Mary and Serafina speak behind them, discussing Mary's demon once more. Serafina told her if she tries, if they had the time, she'd be able to teach her to see her demon. And Mary's like, I wish we had the time. Serafina says, but I think that you might be able to see it. If I mean, we've been together for a while and you've seen shadow and matter and you've kind of been through worlds. You've communicated through the Yijing and your machinery. Why don't you try it? So she lets her get a little hands on. Yeah. Serafina tells her to try to put herself in that mindset for seeing the Yijing. As well as uh, that regularly seeing simultaneously. <laughs> what? It's just like a hard concept. I get it. But I'm like, yeah, you know, like, look here, but also don't. Well, when she explains mm -hmm. it, I get it. Because yeah. like I said, I did this like a million times after reading this book. Um... In Mary's world, they had a kind of picture that looked at first like random dots of color, but that when you looked at it in a certain way, seemed to advance into three dimensions. And there in front of the paper would be a tree or a face or something else surprisingly solid that simply wasn't there before. What Serafina taught Mary to do now is similar to that. Um, I love that so, so much. I, you know, yeah. just some little, some little puzzles for the brain and using that imagination chamber, one could say. Also, those books yeah. were hard. They are hard. Oh, yeah. Like, sort of unfocus your eyes. It's like how they talk about reading the lithiometer, too. It's like yeah. sort of like, and, and using the knife. Mm -hmm. It's like all the same mm -hmm. concept so of just sort of, 
Right. <laughs> you just like you're you're just yeah. Did you guys ever see Mallrats? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I did. I maybe think I should. Yeah. Rats, you know? Oh my god. There, well, it's <laughs> not quite. Kind of. There's a um, <laughs> there's a Magic Eye poster in that, like in the mall, oh. and the guy's just been standing in front of it, staring at it the whole, whole day, day <sighs> and can't see anything. And like, he what he realizes is a it's a sailboat, yep. right? Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. I remember, like, I used to have to do little tests like that to say what I saw in them to, um, you know, like a social worker in school or whatever. I, you know, oh, shit like they that. Use yeah, those for like real learning. They mm-hmm. didn't for us. They're just like I don't know. <clears throat> they uh use it to like I don't know. It was for an understanding of your comprehension and perception. I guess you know they did that. They did like word association shit and spelling shit. Tons of weird tests I had to take like once a year. Really haven't unpacked all that yet, but <laughs> maybe maybe next series we'll get to some of it. Wow. I learned different. So she finally gets it, though. Mary Malone learns different, too. And she sees her demon on the iron fence. There's her AR demon. It's a bird, glossy black with red legs and a curved yellow bill. It's an alpine chuff. Her concentration slips and she loses it, but Serafina says that's okay. It'll get easier next time. Aha, like we said. She'll be able to see other people's demons in her world, but they won't see hers or Will's unless they've also been taught. This is so fun. I want this power. This opens up a huge amount of questions for her. She's like, can I talk to my demon? Will they hear me? She gets very excited, walks on, and Will's like, where are we? Lyra says, well, we need to get to the botanic garden. And Mary's like, you know, still thinking about her demon. Uh, She helps guide them through the walk 15 minutes, all while trying to see her demon. And she does successfully. And she holds out her arm and it hops on her arm. She can feel its grip, its weight. He settles on her shoulder and they move on. Aww. It's so exciting. It's sweet. I love it. So Lyra guides them into the garden. Past a pool with a fountain under a wide tree. Hey! Hey! <laughs> hey! Through a massive stone wall with a doorway into the farthest part of the garden, the youngest part, with less formal planting. Over a bridge, through much more brush, and they come to a wooden bench. A specific wooden <laughs> bench. One that Lyra would come to whenever she wanted to be alone. But now... She doesn't always want to be alone. It's kind of different from the end of book one, right? Where she and Pan are comfortable with being alone. They're like, we're not alone. We've got each other. And now now she wants a little more. Mm -hmm. What I thought was that if you, maybe just for once a year, if we could come here at the same time, just for an hour or something, then we could pretend we were close again. Because we would be close if you sat here and I just sat here in my world. Yes, as long as I live, I'll come back. Wherever I am in the world, I'll come back here. On um, a midsummer day, at midday, as long as I live, as long as I live. He found himself unable to see, but he let the hot tears flow and just held her close. And if we, later on, she was whispering shakily, if we just meet someone that we like, and if we marry him, then we must be good to them and not make comparisons all the time and wish we were married to each other instead. But just keep us coming here just once a year, just just for an hour, just to be together. No. <laughs> this is the worst. This so, is why did I pick a... this book series? I'm so sorry. Do you think? <laughs> sorry to everyone. Holy shit. They did, right? Like, they had to. 
forever. Yeah. I want to believe they did. I like that uh the detail right about Midsummer Day. Apparently, mm-hmm. this one's supposed to be like that. Could be like I guess the feast day or something of Saint John the Baptist. But oh yeah, it's it is kind of still though supposed to be based around the summer solstice, regardless, because it's yeah. the idea of like Saint John the Baptist was like. I decrease so Jesus increases, right? Because light starts coming back after the winter solstice. And mm. I don't know, there's a lot going on there with it being Midsummer Day, right? That idea mm-hmm. of daylight mm-hmm. time stopping and extending the time that you have together as much as possible. I think there's something yeah. beautiful about that and really sad of what that's what they're trying to do stretch out their moments together, yeah. what they can together, and stretch even their lives out, right? They've chosen not to be together for that reason but also this one's less less happy but also you know i'm not saying that they peaked but like and i'm not saying it's all downhill from here right like after you reach like the most sunlight um because it's not but like i think my life's actually gotten better since i was 13 years old but (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) like i legitimately believe that yes but i feel that it's a little bit about that there is like this i i have always had like this sort of obsession with like um like running out of time and like i remember especially when i was a teenager it'd be like oh my god this summer's over and it's like I, it was always so important to like hold on to all these moments and i mean it still kind of is for me because i like the summer <laughs> but yeah. you know that longest day of the year i was like thinking about it. it's like in the great gatsby daisy says like do you always wait for i always wait for the longest day of the year and then i miss it and it's just like think about this like time where it's like you have the most hours of daylight exactly like it's a perfect mm-hmm. time plus like all those sort of um you know classic associations of like pagan rituals and things like that of just sort of like mm-hmm. the the of, of, of a plentiful time i guess mm-hmm. yeah it's a great point plentiful time to, the garden yeah time mm-hmm. to harden yourself for the autumn and the winter and to come out leaner and exactly. stronger on the other side yeah 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 so you can feast again in the summers yeah <laughs> yeah, but staying and enjoying just for now. Mm-hmm. Just a taste in the garden. What the yeah. fuck? I know. Summer does have the best. Like, I love, I love peaches and I love tomatoes. So. I had a peach yesterday. Yeah. It was real fucking good. We're at a good, good time of year. Yeah. Later on, Will would once more remember this moment. Everything about Lyra was soft and tender, and they kiss over and over again, each one nearer to the last one ever. They walk back to the gate and part, looking through a window at one another. He turns to Serafina, thanking her for rescuing them at the Belvedere and for watching over them, and tells her, Please be kind to Lyra for as long as she lives. I love her more than anyone has ever been loved. (sighs) She kisses his cheeks while Mary and Lyra embrace as well, and I'm fine, and they step through the last window and Will tells himself, just like me, being cheerful starts now. <laughs> and Lyra's doing the same, straining to smile, like all three of us. One last kiss and a tear. Their demons kiss farewell. Oh, fuck. Not the fucking uh, demons. What the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> and he closes the window finally, and he turns, trying to sound very matter-of-fact, saying, now I've got to break the knife. He tries to find the feeling he had when he broke it during the Coulter encounter and summons a picture of his mom's face, but it doesn't work. None of it works this time. Mm. It's, first of all, this is fucking painful. Second of all, I mean, it's sad, right? That hit the the whole thing and 
also his mother's face not working anymore, but it's it's true. Like that's the idea. Children shouldn't belong to their parents forever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what happened to Will and his love. We know that his love for his mother is no longer foolproof in this way, right? He still loves her, but it's not completely unbreakable in that there's something stronger because for a bit ago and by that I mean I guess two weeks ago because we had a time skip he was willing for a moment to give up being there for his mother so that he could live a very brief rest of his life with Lyra Hmm. not sustainable though as he realized as he came to his wisdoms about well I mean as Lyra pointed out right he'd always be living that half life kind Mm -hmm. of wishing that he were with his mother and I guess that's the point of why they're like you have to close all the windows or you'll be living a half life in general with each other but it could have been fine I like the oh idea that they would have had kids who were citizens of two worlds that's sick I love that Anyways, <laughs> that's my <laughs> world jewel um, <laughs> I love that I would also say like it's got those tuck everlasting vibes too you know that uh, I think I watched that or read it even Mm. wow what I'm uncultured i'm uncultured well I'm long story short i won't spoil too much for you but it's basically you know a girl comes upon a family in the woods that doesn't age they have a special fountain of water mm. and she falls in love with everything about them kind of vampire-esque right like she wants to be a part of their everything but she doesn't know the if she wants to take and drink the water or not and become like them and then one day it's too late right like they've moved on And he's gone. And there's like a brief, like, the boy that she falls in love with from the family kind of thing. And he comes back and it's heart wrenching. And then they part. And I want, and she chooses, I believe, if I recall. It's been a fucking while, but she chooses to, you know, live her her full life instead. Live it out, die, instead of uh, sacrifice it to go be immortal with them and run away from her family and everything she loves and her world, basically, and all that. Uh, that's pretty intense. It's it is actually a story. It's similar to. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're just sensitive right now. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'm just saying. I know you are. I know you are. You little rat. Yeah. No. It's a. It's a good. I want to say I read it like probably middle school or some shit. It's a fine enough book. It's older. You know. There's. It's not all perfect, but it, it's an interesting shorter read. I think you should read it someday as just like yeah. a classic. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he took inspiration from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it tries again. Stanley puzzled, like, why didn't it break? And then his demon says simply, Lyra. (sighs) And this time, (laughs) with a wrenching crack, the knife shattered and the blade fell in pieces to the ground to glitter on the stones that were still wet with the rain of another universe. Will knelt to pick them up carefully, Kerjava with her cat eyes helping to find them all. Cool. Yeah. They're uh, picking up the pieces, I guess, of our broken hearts. And huh. it's, it's it like is. Yeah. It is kind of like a metaphor for that. And not just that, but also like the rain of another universe glittering on the stones. Lyra's tears falling yeah. on the stones, basically. Oof. 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 Yeah. Very beautiful. Very, again, very sensory, very beautiful. Afterwards, Mary speaks to Will and kind of tells him i promise i'd look after you we'll be friends for the rest of your life basically in my life and uh we'll help your mom do all the things that she's been planning and then she's like let's go get some tea (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, as you said, right? Clearly Mary's also got some legal baggage. I'm like, is Will like, wait, what the fuck? I mean, he's just so star for friendship that here's another adult that needs his help kind of to be taken care of a little. I feel like Will got a little bit of a bad deal, but I'm I'm joking, but she is like, you know, Will's got a trust fund, which we do know. (laughs) She's like, I'm poor now, Will. I don't know. With his, like, just like Lyra said, you know, Will taught her to be discreet. You know, to yeah. use discretion. So maybe Mary will learn from him and they'll be able to skate through. Though I am curious. I would love a book detailing how they get out of it all. <laughs> Learned hands will write us a legal... Well, I guess they don't know British law. That's different. That's different. That's way different law. Way different law. Just like their health care. Mm. Uh, I Actually, literally, because I was joking with Chloe, I was like, damn, he's got, like, Mary's debt and, like, whatever that to pay off. And then his mom's medical debt that I remembered. No, they have health care. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Another time skip three weeks after Lyra had to leave Will forever. Ugh. She finds herself once more at the dinner table in Jordan College. But last time she was here, she had been under Mrs. Coulter's spell. But she's different now. She actually very much literally is. This time she is seated by the master and Dame Hannah Ralph, the head of St. Sophia's, which is one of the women's colleges. We love Dame Hannah Ralph in this household. After you finish this book, if if you haven't read La Belle Sauvage, it's time. Pick it up. Because Dame Hannah Ralph may or may not be in it, and she may or may not be a goddamn G. She's awesome in that. Yeah. (laughs) And but anyways, <laughs> you know, she uh, she had originally, Lyra thought she was frumpy since Coulter was there, but now she's like, wow, why did I think that? She's really kind and clever and interesting. And she starts to learn what happened while she was away in the world. The church's power increased, but then waned as well, with more liberal factions being brought to court. The GOB was dissolved, the CCD leaderless, and Oxford's <laughs> colleges were settling back to ritual. Some things, like the master's collection of silver, were gone. Servants as well, but not the master's manservant, cousins, who Lyra used to have a very tense past with. But even he, her greatest enemy, was warm and kind to her, almost speaking to her with affection. Everything had changed while Lyra was gone. Yeah, doesn't he, like, hug her and she's like, whoa. Everything yeah. really is different. <laughs> <laughs> even cousins? They love you, Lyra. They love you. Aww. Aww. She held the fucking place together. Except for maybe, I mean, Dame Hannah Ralph probably cares about you, but she doesn't love you that much yet. She doesn't even know you, you know? <laughs> Spent you like two seconds. Dinner conversation turns to what happened while Lyra was away, and Lyra listens in with dismay, wonder, and worry. And finally, they ask Lyra if she can tell them of her journey, if anything, and she is, she says she's willing, right? But she can't tell them all at once. Because she doesn't stand all, understand all of it, and some of it makes her cry, which is very understandable, because it makes us cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one payment for hearing her story, though, is that they must promise to believe her. She tells them that, you know, I, she knows she's got a reputation for not always telling the truth, and that in her journeys, right, actually, sometimes she did have to lie to, to survive. But she does have a true story, and it's so big... But they have to promise to believe all of it. Do you think they ever, like, that she ever did get to tell them everything? Maybe later? I actually later? don't know. I, I don't know. I, Maybe later in life. I guess it's possible. And also, like, I mean, she can't hold all that in. Like, I think that seems painful for her. 
but also, yeah, I want to believe that she did. And also, I think this is a, I mean, that's a little bit of adulthood too, right? Learning mm-hmm. how to kind of set those boundaries, but being able to open yourself up and, and being taken seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Now she's being asked, she's asking to be taken seriously and given respect for what she has to share. And she tells them that overall she wishes she hadn't lost her skill at reading the alethiometer. That's like the second thing that she wishes she didn't lose the most. Um, and that it was all gone. I mean, it is. Yeah, That's no, basically what it says. It was gone mm-hmm. in an instant, right? That she had been like a monkey in the trees and now nothing. Which I'm like, interesting with uh, mm-hmm. Jesper. I feel oh. like that's not a spoiler. Jesper's mm-hmm. right there. Um, but Hannah tells her that those skills are not all gone. There are books in Bodley's library and the scholarship in studying the alethiometer is alive and well. I'm like, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh she studies Dame Hannah trying to find some more meaning, but she can't really find that. You know, she can't read that or the alethiometer at this point. Okay, but I think sometimes people never... Maybe that's just me. But Figure out how to read people. <laughs> yeah! People's vibe. Yeah, that, that is tough. And also, she's like at a weird, you know... Uh, preteen juncture where it's like how Absolutely. like she like is like sort of being included in adult stuff but like not one yeah <laughs> absolutely it's like when her mom was there but not you know is the other part right. like she's like how do mm-hmm. i fucking trust you people right the last right. time i was at this dinner it started this whole goddamn charade <laughs> this right whole she's like, i should tra- probably try to learn to read people better yeah so i don't <laughs> do it again it's not uh, just like, oh, a beautiful lady. She must be nice. <laughs> yeah, that is a childish like, thing to think. Yeah. It's like a Disney characters are all, you know. Actually, <laughs> now that I say it out loud, the irony of it all. Anyways, <laughs> find out next year in the secret mm-hmm. Commonwealth. Um, well, that's, yeah. That's the beauty, I guess, of this cut returning here. You get mm-hmm. to see how much mm-hmm. he's changed. Yeah. 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 The master says that they have to create a plan for Lyra's future. And she's like, I never really thought about my future once while I was gone, but now I guess all I do is uh, think about it because all I have is time to figure out how to fill. anxiety. Yeah, fun. We love it. She's like, this is great. I have a whole life, but no idea what to do with it. Just like my alethiometer, lol. Uh, And she's in her head, she's like, I know my parents are probably rich, but I don't think they would give me access to it. They wouldn't have told anybody. And she's like, besides, they probably used most of it starting wars or something. (laughs) And she tells them Jordan used to be her home and that maybe she could go live with Yorick on Svalbard and be a bear or with (laughs) Serafina and her witches or with the Egyptians. But she really wouldn't fit in. She feels lost. She looks lost, but also a little defiant, a look that she learned from Will without knowing. And the master sees that in her now, puberty as well. She's awkward, her grace (laughs) is gone, and he says she'll never be lost when this college remains, that Asriel made an endowment to take care of her needs and appointed the master executor. He hadn't, but he had money of his own, and Jordan was rich. He didn't care. (laughs) Aww, that's so nice. I love him. Steal from them. Good for you. I know. I Man. love the master. It, 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 he like also pocketed his like squirreled away some money for her mm-hmm. from himself too. And mm-hmm. also just like Lyra being like, I'm trying not to lie as much anymore. But <laughs> them realizing she's at this strange age. Now they're the ones kind of lying a little bit to her for her own benefit. Yeah. Not, unlike uh, her mom who lied to her for bad things. Hold on. And her dad. <laughs> well they don't count they're not, not here 
Now people are lying to her for good. Yay. <laughs> he had meant, uh, you know, this money for her learning future, aka college. She had missed a lot while she was journeying, so she's going to need to catch back up. But if she were to make the alethiometer her initial study, she could also set out to learn consciously what once she knew through intuition. And if so, then Dame Hannah would be her new educational BFF. Dame Hannah speaks and tells her you do not need to decide now, but she tells her of St. Sophia's and its large boarding school in North Oxford. She wants Lyra to come and meet the headmistress and the other girls and make her choice. If she decides to take alethiometer 101, Hannah could give her private study hours, but... Don't worry about it yet. There's time. You don't need to answer right now. And Lyra says she'll tell her when she's ready. And in her return, Lyra was given a key to the garden door by the master, able to come and go. She slips out that night, and Pan chases a mouse through the grass while she walks toward the wall. She loves watching Pan play, but they have to be careful about who sees it still, of course. I love that she gets her own mini movable garden, you know, (laughs) in her backyard. Uh, uh, one she can visit and just uh, reap from its its source of nature and knowledge and dust. But I also love this kind of source of tension almost that they only get to really go use this garden in certain times because, you know, Lyra now without her security demon, she can't really be in public without him, right? Like she needs to at least have some semblance of pretend because it's still just not really societally accepted there. But also it's the opposite, too. Now her demon can't be free of her when he wants. So he kind of loses a little bit of, you know, uh, of his freedom. And I don't know. There's something interesting. It, it Their severing has to stay quiet. So if Lyra goes somewhere, Pan has to be with her and vice versa, which kind of makes it hard. Like, Mary and Will, they don't have to really worry about their demons, right? No one can see them. And if they do, it's like, well... That means that I can see yours too, and you can see mine. So we know that about we're, we're wargs together. We see our demons, but it's not really a, a say. You know, and they can't tell people is the other thing. Like they can't be loud and proud about their demon. It's a special happy secret just for them. But that's less horrible torture than this of being stuck together and also severed from one another. I mean, I guess people could kind of explain their demon. And be like, hey, I took a personality quiz, and it said that I'm this thing, and that's a way to cover it. But what you're saying with Lyra just now, like, really made me think of how she can't really show her true self in that way and her true ability to everyone. And while everyone else in the world, right, has to stay close together with their demon, if we see Lyra, of course, as a lens through which we can all kind of understand our own adolescence and, like, a coming-of-age story for everyone reading it, um, adolescence is that time where you start realizing, oh, I... I have a whole inner world inside of myself and you start having to learn to hide parts of yourself and how to reveal certain parts, etc. Um, when you are in public and, and learn to guard yourself with certain people, etc. Well, that's okay. Cause Will had to learn that from a much earlier age and taught her the value of discretion. Mm. Speaking of Will, she sits on their bench waiting for Pan to come to her, trying to surprise her, but she catches him, of course. She's like, ha, I knew you were there. I'm like, of course you knew. Anyways, um, they discuss the headmistress and going to the school. Lyra says it might be good. The other pupils might be super clever or more sophisticated than her. And she doesn't really know she'll be able to keep up, which, I mean, understandable. Are the new kids going to be mean? 
you're the new kid. I don't know. She laments having to carry a pile of books everywhere to read the alethiometer. And I'm like, it's okay. Smartphones will be invented one day. And then she asks Pan a big question. What the fuck did you talk about with Krijava? Pan won't <laughs> tell her, though. They had sworn they would know when the time had come, but they wouldn't tell them until then. We have to find that out. There's no way we don't find that out in the books of dust, right? right? There's no way. I'm sorry. That's too big of a thread to hang out there. Here yeah, is another way Will and Lyra are going to see each other again. Ooh. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I'm just saying. I can feel it, you guys. So Lyra had never kept secrets from Pan before, but she thinks it's only fair after her betrayal, he kept some from her and she lets it slide. And as they sit on the bench, she thinks about Will and thinks about how they probably have that in common. And she wonders if there would ever come in an hour in her life where she doesn't think of him, doesn't speak to him in her head, doesn't relive every moment they'd have together. She had never dreamed of what it was to love someone this much and of the things that astonished her in her adventures. And that was what astonished her the most. And she actually thought that the tenderness was like a bruise that would never go away. But she realizes she'd cherish that bruise forever. Pan slips down with her, and they're safe in the dark on the bench, curled up together with their secrets. It's very sweet. Lyra's adorable and thinks that in this city, she'll find books to teach her to read the alethiometer, and kind, learned women to teach her, and that all these smarter girls she was going to befriend, they don't know it yet, but she's going to befriend them so fucking hard. They're going to be my friends, she thinks. That's such a mood. Be my motherfucking friend. I love that. I love I it. Know. I'm proud of her. Go get him, Tiger. It is a little harder to make friends uh, in adolescence. You don't just click right away. Mm-hmm. Like, Haley, play us out. <gasps> oh my god. Alright, well, Pan asks her a question, asking what Will said about his father on the beach, and she remembers. He had meant the kingdom of heaven was finished, but they were needed for something bigger. They could have gone to Will- Will's world and maybe gotten a good decade in <laughs> hopefully but they were needed here for something bigger and they needed to build something bigger which was right where they are they needed to build the republic of heaven and that is the amber speckless <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what a fucking book what an ending yeah it is it's gorgeous it was an it was an epic story we went so many places in this one book Oh yeah, it's yeah, serious, and it's like I, I don't know. I like I've wanted to talk about this because like I had this experience with these with this trilogy in that I read the first one when I was in seventh grade, and probably the next one that year or the next year or something like that, and then I became a adolescent and forgot about how much I liked reading books, <laughs> and did not even know that they're like had forgotten about this series entirely until something popped into my head when I was a freshman in college. And I was like, I wonder if there was another book in that series. And then I read Amber Spyglass and it had like, this book is so much more mature. And when I read those first books, it's like, they were YA novels, you know, like, and even though the subject matter is kind of weird, you're, they're severing children, but <laughs> still, <laughs> it was like, a, it was like, if this is a book about consciousness and growing up it was like i got to like go back in when i was 18 to like what happens to lyra here and like how heavy this 
book is and uh, shattering <laughs> it is. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And then also to then read Books of Dust like now as an actual adult, um, which are way have a way darker bent i would say i don't know it reminded me of like a lot of people who got to read like harry potter like at the age of harry (laughs) and then like Mm. as as they went those books like became like you're realizing with the main character like how deep everything goes kind of um that's a cool thing about this series but yeah so this book is uh it's got a lot of stuff in it (laughs) yeah uh, can I ask, did you reread the first two books before you read the third one to like refresh? I did. Because it had been a few years of a gap. Okay. Yeah, for cool. sure. I would like, I was like, I remember like the basic gist of it. I remember the demons and the characters' names, but yeah, I definitely did a reread and I've since reread them a few times. Like, because I don't know, like before the, the show came back on, I, I did a big reread of them all so that I could do Secret Commonwealth. There's something comforting about them. You know, I didn't read them when I was younger, as we've kind of talked about. Like, I didn't read them then. And I'm curious, if I had read them then, what would change about me, right? Like, about how I I feel about the books. Interesting. And I don't know that I would have appreciated them fully as a youngster as much. Like, obviously, I can't. I have no way to compare that. But now as an adult, I'm like, wow, I really appreciate having had experiences in my life, like, reading this and, like, reading it through that lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely had a different experience then. I, I like, I think I liked that there was this like dark element to them, and I loved fantasy mm-hmm. worlds and stuff. But and there was ve- there was a lot of mystery in it of like really weird sort of societies doing strange stuff, and I always liked that. Um, but reading it later, obviously, I, I feel like I can only read these books as like incredibly allegorical. Mm-hmm. Like they have a sort of mythicness to them, and it's like his his style of writing is part of it and then also obviously all like the religious stuff but it really feels like it's like so if he's rejecting um the idea that like eve caused original sin and that's like what happened was bad he's trying to reframe that experience and growth is actually good mm-hmm. it's like almost like something about this series feels like yeah you're reading like a, a mythic text like he's rewriting for you like a sort of like reconstructed biblical text i don't know if that's a good way to put it but something about it just feels very like um like at times heavy-handed but then he gets into certain details like in these two last chapters that are like really poignant and personal but they all feel yeah like um i guess mythic is like the word i don't know but i see that like the allegory and all of it and it's like some of the almost everything in it has such clear analogy to our world as far as like consciousness goes so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think i think what you said is absolutely right though like uh there is an element where you can read it and just take the story and the plot as it is but it is i think meant to be written yeah read very allegorically too and i think um i like what you're saying right of how it's this retelling of the fall from genesis but it's reframed to be positive as you said right like it's not bad that people ate from the tree of knowledge or got cast out of the garden because yeah of course you can stay in the garden but that's childhood everything's given to you it's easy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's joy in having learned to earn and work for it yourself which is what they're saying about the alethiometer even though Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't know it seems real sad 
<laughs> it's definitely all sad. Like all of it's sad. And it's just like, I think like part of the deal is that it's like, yeah, like everything really good comes with an ounce of pain, you know, and yeah. you're going to have to go through these awkward, uncomfortable times uh, in order to uh you know have any hope of being like a full have a have the full human experience and like mm-hmm. if you try to pro- if you try to protect yourself from the hard stuff like by say severing your sub- part of yourself mm. um it'll yeah. only like sever your ability to actually experience anything beautiful and like transcendent like falling in love like you can't fall in love unless you're like willing to sometimes Will? be badly <laughs> injured <laughs> yeah so yeah. um but that's like a good thing and like it's all part of like it's like an acceptance of like that mm-hmm. you know like being like yeah maybe you'll become self-conscious sometimes or you'll like get feel like really lost or something like that but that's like part of the journey you'll still feel and, like right cuz yeah. it's like it, and and you're like that's part of it like just like will saying how you know he doesn't want to be like sort of prescribed like his destiny it's like it, yeah if you're living everything under an authority or something sort of like guiding you or you don't have free will yeah we i don't know yeah you're not living <laughs> we, don't, we don't we're not living we yeah. don't want that no. <laughs> that's not yeah. the republic <laughs> not in my republic of heaven <laughs> yeah I, I mean i like that idea right that you know it all like feeds into the same place and everyone has to everyone yeah. gets to be part of it Right. many places together yeah chloe do you want to know what your husband said that your demon is <gasps> i guess <laughs> i'm so excited uh so first when i was like this is urgent in all caps and i was like need answer before episode end so he goes oh geez and he goes cat large cat and i have to press right i'm like what kind of large cat species so he says panther and then he goes i mean probably a house cat is more honest if less cool and i was like any specific kind of house cat so then he said let's say abyssinian because of my cats i like that Damn, but you know what? He went with my first instinct, too, was, am I a giant fucking cat? cat? Yeah. He was like, oh, is she, like, you pressed him, and he's like, panther? Ooh, interesting. Good to know. Good to know. We need need a species. That's what we're trying to do. You know, there's a bunch of, (laughs) the different big cats are different kinds. He went big first. He went big first. Good for me. Good for me. I mean, a a panther is different than a snow leopard, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're not a Stelmaria, I guess. You would not... (laughs) Do that to your kid. Wow. Well, I don't know about all that. You'll have to stay tuned to the future to find out. Uh, (laughs) Before we move on to our... Before we move on to our discussion that will cover spoilers, everything after the Amber Spyglass, I just want to say thank you, Haley, for coming on. And for those that are listening right now before logging off, where can they find you online? again you can find me at manimals.band it's at manimalsband on instagram i've got at drinking got as well if you Mm -hmm. like stupid game of thrones stuff (laughs) and that's on instagram also wonderful wonderful all right so without further ado as usual if you are not here to hear uh the discussion the quick discussion for our last discussion for a while on the books of dust and the novellas 
Log out, log out. All right, and I think we are in. Welcome to the discussion. First things first, Lyra has met someone already on the path learning to travel between worlds. I'm thinking it's Mary, yeah. right? Uh, Mary seems like Probably. because she was learning, yeah, yeah, learning from Serafina. You know, one of our patrons, Janice, kind of helped me see the light on that because I was like, it also feels like it could be Lyra herself and she doesn't know it. Um, Ooh. You know, kind of spicy take just because she's already... Mm-hmm. She's already had perception like that, and she's already had to look or at things pan. that way. Or Pan. Yeah. So, oh. But maybe mm. it's Mary foreshadowing Lyra learning as well. And, you know, with mm. the seed oil and the rose oil, Mary gets seed oil, Lyra gets rose oil. There are oils mm. in two worlds, two parallel worlds mm-hmm. right now that could possibly have magical properties about them that are near two of our protagonists. And then... The new method of reading the alethiometer feels really about this. And not only that, but like Lyra is spending time on Giorgio Marbrandt's ship, right? At the front of the book, right. doing hard work. There's a whole passage oh, yeah. where uh, I think it's actually in the, the snippets from the Imagination Chamber where he talks about all of the tools and kind of like all the care he's teaching her and respect in using the tools. And there's also this one quote from the Imagination Chamber, that I just have to read, because I find it completely fascinating. Will, as a physician, wondering about synthesia and neural pathways, if someone, for instance, saw numbers in color, it was because of an accidental connection between neurons and in itself meaningless. But we can learn to see and hear things deliberately by training our senses and our memories. A piano tuner learns to hear the beats that tell when two strings are not perfectly in tune. And in learning it establishes a new connection in the brain. When Will was a boy, there had been a vogue for magic eye pictures where you could learn to see a 3D image in a printed picture. You only had to learn to do it once and next time it became easier. A new neural connection had been set up. And so, that the things were really there, but not noticed before, they all became clear and apparent. All he had to do was learn how to perceive them. Love it. Same language. Same exact language yeah. as Mary Malone. Yeah. Will is learning it. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, Will is learning it. And it, it also is kind of like what you guys were saying earlier about uh, learning to tune your skill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're finding this the, the, the space in between of like that sort of imperceivable whatever it yeah. is that like extra spice that like where your your brain it's like your your brain kind of like lets go and you follow some other property is sort of what's happening in there <laughs> you embrace the emptiness yeah yeah cool yeah i like it yeah yeah we'll get there one day one day one day <laughs> i mean like i i don't think it's far off i don't think it's far off either for both for us reading and both for uh, Philip releasing the third book. I really don't. Release the dust. Release the boobs of dust. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> kind of a bummer that Pan and Lyra can't really ever be apart in public, right? That they have to like feign togetherness now. And we see how that kind of becomes an issue over several years and becomes tension and resentment that's harbored. And does make yeah. me wonder, it feels like demons and people being severed 
and in like a societal way that's like safe and like everybody approves of it and nobody hates it anymore and they're like no it's not weird we're not going to treat you like outsiders like if someone elects to do so in a safe way and goes through a trial that may- i don't know i don't know how this works technically but doesn't it feel like if that was a societal norm they'd both be able to come to peace with who they are together and be able to also embrace mm-hmm. it like as an elective I yeah I my my thought on that was like and this was something I was like writing down earlier because I, I think what's like one of the cool things in Secret Commonwealth is you start to realize like how many non psycho ways there are to separate from your <laughs> demon like yeah. it's not just you have to get cut apart by some giant guillotine like um you're like you can go through and these are like they have really clear real world analogy which is you can go through an insanely traumatic experience like going to hell and back and needing to leave your demon on the other side and so this happens to other people who've experienced trauma of various types in the story like through the later books or like you can go on a vision quest like the witches and that ultimately like extends your consciousness like physically literally like that makes me think of like a psychedelic ritual that you would do to sort of like change your relationship to yourself like in a really like deep existential kind of like ego death way Mm -hmm. and then later we find out you can also like hate yourself enough to make your demon go away (laughs) but um that too (laughs) it's just like so it does seem that it's like if you were thoughtful like say a tribe that practices some kind of deeper connection to like why we do this journey and like you it's intentional then it would be like the positive like let's say you know but maybe not if you're careless or something happens to you beyond your control right um, and it's like that that is like a cool thing them apart yeah. so badly right it's like you're you got like almost like frayed edges to mm-hmm. like the tear like there's like yeah. pain there while the, the the witches are like basically like stretching it in like such a like it does make me think of like cultures that do some kind of like vision journey or mm-hmm. something like that where it's like and then you're it often is takes place around the time of puberty or something like that mm-hmm. where you're it's like you're you're yeah, put yeah. through some type of trial to help you grow into like to bring ceremony to like the idea of you growing and changing and um it seems like that would be like the ideal in like the new world order of this like per, like post church bullshit like that you would want um like a world where people could learn how to like manage their relationship with their own consciousness in that way so it wouldn't be so like taboo or weird in Lyra's world yeah. you'd want to anymore. promote that like you'd want to right. promote that freedom Right. But that would be like really, you know, dangerous for the church or like different types of like educational systems that I feel like they have like a regimented way of viewing these things. Well, and not to go AI on it, but it's like now that, you know, demons feel things and they have their own lives and thoughts and like, obviously, they're part of a whole like Lyra and Pan are one in many ways and they complete each other's thoughts and like everything like you Mm -hmm. see Pan brings her the thoughts that she doesn't even know that she needed. You know, though that's very right. an important connection. Yeah. But also then, yeah. yeah, you see the opposite of that. Like you could see like if you don't let that flourish and if you, you know, struggle to keep that whole when yeah. one part maybe needs to leave to grow. Right. And what does it mean like like what's the analogy happening like with like having a secret basically from yourself? Like, what is that? Because it's like, this is a part of her, but it's its Mm -hmm. own thing. Is this almost like, are they, is he trying to like 
talk about like you almost have like a repressed memory, like something that you won't be able to pull out until another part of you kind of like returns or like you have an experience like that. That's why I'm thinking about the Pan and Kerjava story that they're the secret that they have from their their humans. Yeah. That it's like maybe there's going to be something that's going to like bring back this suppressed memory if that's like Mm -hmm. sort of what it's supposed to represent. Yeah, because it's a part Um, of them. Right. Yeah. I think it's a it's a little of both. I I think it sounds like something, you know, Philip also likes to be like, I'm discovering things about my world and my characters as I write, Right. right? Like maybe it's something he gardened about them because on one hand it could be about repressed memories and there's like a couple of ways to go about and explore that that allegory, right? Right. Um and another one is is it about being comfortable with knowing that you won't always know everything about yourself that you're always changing as a person mm. and that there's always new things to learn and discover about yourself like for example sure. i don't know discovering that uh I, I don't have a good example yet um i would say maybe like discuss i would also say like maybe like the idea of like discovering like your own sexuality later in life yeah, or something yes. like that like something where it's That's like perfect. oh this has always been in me but maybe it's only going to be like something dawns on you and then you're like oh wait there were a lot of context clues like throughout my life and it pieced together but it is something that made it might have been held in like some little deeper recess or like you're unable to you know accept and access it Mm -hmm. and and that's the thing what you're saying about being unable to accept and access it because you're not given the time to explore that right space Mm -hmm. to explore that just like um, what you're saying about it being societally acceptable for the witches to have demons mm-hmm. that can go further and explore and like i think the one thing is like you know that pain aspect but maybe if we were more comfortable uh being able to talk about that pain mm-hmm. with each other and again like explore who we are right like as you're saying then it's we're all healthier as mm-hmm. as people and it leads us a little more towards that republic of heaven in which people are kinder they're more patient with each other because you have space to talk about yeah totally it is so funny like how many different examples of like people expressing shame about their demons and the stuff that get like their interactions with it it's like obviously you have like the essential uh, an original conflict with like severing you know so that won't it won't change you know or so, so it will continue to change rather and like you know we're trying to separate people from it so that they don't basically become adults but then also like touching a demon touching someone else's demon talking to somebody else's demon people like don't really talk like to talk about like the hurt when you pull away from them because it's like almost like a yucky bad feeling mm-hmm. so it makes mm-hmm. it it's like yeah every Everyone, like, seems to have, like, a real discomfort with, like, their own selves. <laughs> yeah. And, like, even just, like, the, simply the concept of it, even when in their world it's so obvious because it's, like, anthropomorphized. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> like, that's a good point. Yeah. Free pan. Now that we've freed Will, it's time to free pan. Aww. They're going to say pre-pandemic, and I was like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> when we started these episodes. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've changed. We have changed, that's for sure. I will say... Our demons have settled uh, <laughs> in that time. Finally, last but not least, the master using his money and then what happens to him when the secret commonwealth and he's out that's of sad. money. Ugh. Ugh. So sad. Gotta pour Man. one out for the master. I'm gonna miss him for a bit. Man. He cared about... He really cared about her. No one else did. 
just the master. Sp- yeah, speaking. Sorry, I'm I'm again, I'm angry again. You just shouldn't have reminded me. Get it out of your oh, heart my. now, Eliana. This is your last <laughs> chance, so get it out. Seraphina, first, I guess she didn't technically say yes to it, right? She didn't technically promise. Yeah, I will. I'll be there for Lyra, uh, and take mm-hmm. care of her. She just like kissed him on both cheeks, and I guess that was like, "Peace out, kid. Sorry." <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, Rough. where is she? We do see in Secret Commonwealth, like that's the saddest thing to me. That I mean, that whole first quarter of the book, it's yeah. so good and sad that like she's alone, she's isolated yeah. and alone, and like she had a couple visits here and there, but like people really just were like, she's good. <sighs> it's so hard. Yeah, well, because she had to like hi- she had to hide herself and that mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now she's just reading a bunch of shitty books, like you know, becoming a bro. <laughs> <At the shot. laughs> Okay. God. <laughs> what are we gonna do with that girl? I hope her trip opens up her eyes. Yeah. Praying. Exactly. Well. Yeah. I guess that's uh that's all I had for the discussion. Ladies, do you have anything else from the future books to bring into this? I don't know. Well, I'm take a- Serafina, what the fuck? Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm due for a reread of Secret Commonwealth. Hopefully it will lead me into the third book being released. And I was like that. I'm also excited for the new show whenever it happens. Because I really want to see how they do, you know. Yeah. uh, You know, basically, yeah, the end of heaven and hell. And the land of, like, the world of the dead. And (laughs) all these crazy, crazy things in this book. Yeah, there's definitely a few things I'm excited to see. I know they've cut a couple things, and, you know, I'm not too worried about that. Not too horribly worried. I'm sure it'll work out fine. There's a lot to adapt, though, so it's going to be chunky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chunky, chunky. <laughs> chunky. Chunk. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. it has been an absolute pleasure covering these books this with you. This was a thrill. Today. Has it been a yeah. pleasure? Shut up, Eliana. It's been horrible. <laughs> it's been a horrible time. I've cried a lot. I'm very sad. I don't know if I've grown <laughs> or learned, but maybe I have. So maybe I have. Oof. <laughs> I just have to hear the words Botanic Garden, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> when you said that I would do these want. chapters with you, I was like, like right to the <laughs> heart. Uh, well, I'm glad you came on to bear your soul with us, and we will have to have you back soon for, uh, hopefully, for Commonwealth someday. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This was super fun. Love talking about it with you guys. Thank you, Haley. Yeah. Yay! Thanks for coming on. Um, I guess you've already told everyone where to find you again, so I guess we won't <laughs> have to do that again. Um <laughs> Yeah, for those listening at home, thank you again for coming on this huge journey with us. And yeah. keep your eyes peeled for what's to come. Yes. And of course, if you have any thoughts, feel free to tell us. You can find us on social media at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Or you can also send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yes. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on any of the major platforms like Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, I think we're on Audible to my recollection, and Pandora, and a handful of others. Yeah, there are a couple that we would usually say, but... But we're fighting with them. We're fighting... We're fighting the authority. <laughs> I really Metatron. <laughs> we might. I'm trying. We might. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'm so pissed. Um... 
Yeah, and of course, somewhere that you can definitely always find this is on patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we will have bonus episodes about, you know, various things that we're reading, whether that's A Song of Ice and Fire. We are still going to probably do His Dark Materials episodes. We have a couple We have a couple that we definitely want to do someday, and, and other things. We do cover other things. Yeah. And of course, if you're interested, the Thunder tier and above $10 and up tier has access to our Discord where we host events weekly and monthly, whether they are episode discussions for House of the Dragon or monthly brunch slash happy hour. Be sure to join up and get more details on that. Or maybe even probably his dark materials. Mm, November. But again, I don't want to put that on anyone yet. So anyways... Thank you, truly thank you everyone for, you know, joining on this journey to read His Dark Materials, whether it's your reread or whether you've, you know, it's your first time and you were like, I'm going to follow Eliana and Chloe on this journey. Honestly, like, I, this is our first time finishing a story. I'm just emotional for a couple of reasons. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been one of your hosts, Eliana. And I've been another one of your hosts, Chloe. Thanks, guys. And thank you to our uh, other hosts this time, again, <laughs> Haley. Hi, I'm Haley. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> and bye-bye. <laughs> Tell them stories. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm corny AF.